Blog Talk Radio.
Every time we ask for something, every time that we get on our knees and pray, even if we're not on our knees, whether we're whatever the situation is, Lord, when we're asking you for something, particularly when we lean in and do fervent prayers with you for an extended period of time, that we are absolutely immersed in the secret place of the Most High. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to instill upon us, to anoint us with uh, with love that overflows for you, love that overflows for our Lord Jesus, love that overflows us so that we touch other people's lives and we bring in as much many of the sheaves as we possibly can in the days that we're in right now. Let us always remember the three times that Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And Father, thank you for helping us to understand how important and how how impactful it is when something occurs three times in the kingdom. It's a very significant, if not the most significant uh, number. Uh, holy, holy, holy are you, Father God, Lord God Almighty. And we praise your holy name and we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to continue to serve you. Uh, you know, we, we are imperfect. We are very hopeful that we won't just be called, but chosen to be part of the first fruits barley harvest we know we're shooting at a high bar but we pray in the name of jesus father god that if there is anything that is not working in complete harmony with your obedience if there's any part of our life that needs to change if there are any behaviors or feelings that we have in our heart that need to be adjusted so that we're totally pure without spot or wrinkle or any such thing then we pray please father through your mercy that is proclaimed all over the scripture that you will that one way or the other somehow you will make it so it is virtually impossible for our hungry hearts to not hear what that is that we have to 
change in our walk. We need your help, and we and and Father, right now we're just going to pray in accordance with James one five, where it says, "If anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask you, Father, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given to them." And we believe this, and we are going to stand upon it because we're going to continue to ask you for that wisdom to uh, shape ourselves in accordance with your will, so that uh, we can make the, those final tweaks, those final adjustments to uh, our behaviors, um, and 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 be as as close to per- perfect alignment with your will as possible. Um, and then, of course, reaching out to you for your helpful hand and the, and the hand of our Lord Jesus as we try to steady our path on that straight path. As it says in Proverbs three five, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not upon your own understanding, and all things. We should seek you, Father, and be a part. You should, you should be the first thing that pops into our heart. In all things, Father, we 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 dedicate ourselves, our 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 praise, our worship, our time, our prayer, our love to you. And we believe, because of the promises in the Scripture, we know that you will make our path straight. And we pray that you will anoint us with the spirit of praise, a spirit of worship, whereby every single thing that we have ever asked for, even though many of those those things may have been for years, and we're still not seeing with our own earthly eyes the answer to those prayers. And in some cases, the answers will come in eternity, maybe not uh, during our time here on earth. And we praise you for that, too. But let us let our praise never, never wane in our walk. Let it only increase in until the very day that we are blessed enough to be able to leave this very dark place that you have chosen us to be a part of uh, for uh, clearly the mission of the kingdom and your love for the people of this world and 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 even even you know father we know that you would not want one to perish lord jesus we thank you for your sacrifice we love you with all of our heart we let us always find the time to wake up just a little extra early to be able to sit there and sing songs to you to raise our hands into the air and to praise you and just thank you for the wonderful day that is ahead of us even though we may be a little bit intimidated about the day that we do have ahead of us we're just going to lift you up and praise you because we know just like with nehemiah when he was praying about uh, to you about and confessing of the sins of Israel and in and, 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 uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 5, 6, 7, and 8 there uh, where he was praying for your goodwill, Father, upon him because he was the cupbearer for the king and he was concerned. He was probably a little bit anxious and a lot of us are and, and you know, that's the people part that you made us and, and we praise you for that and we just ask for your helping hand and, and, and an anointing of trust to fall upon us so that we can benefit by all of the incredible and merciful promises that you have given us in your word and be able to walk in peace, uh, true peace from the bottom of our heart throughout the days, even though they seem to be a little bit more bumpy than we would rather. But anyway, we just thank you, rather deal with and we just thank you, Father God, and we give you all the praise and worship and now to him, our Lord Jesus, who's able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before your presence, Father God, I believe very much so in the throne room with exceeding joy and to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, praise your name be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forevermore amen can pray. 
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I just want to start out the program tonight by letting you know that I've made a, <clears throat> excuse me, I made a, a very, very ultra last minute decision to run this show for three hours. Um, you know, it'll be a little bit impactful, uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm just, you know, whatever. We got to do what we got to do, and uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more used used to getting extremely small amounts of sleep lately. Um, and that's okay. You know, uh, I, I've actually discovered, I don't understand it, that in some cases I can sleep for four and a half hours, maybe. Uh, and um, I actually wake up feeling pretty good. Of course, my Fitbit barks at me and gives me all kinds of terrible sleep scores and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if you feel pretty good and you're doing all right, then praise the Lord, right? Amen. Uh, but anyway, I went ahead and extended at the very last, I mean, you know, very last second, probably within the last 30 minutes, I extended the show's time to three hours tonight. Now, Gary is like a clock, okay? Praise God. And I love that, and that's awesome. Uh, and he is... His slot for tonight's program, of course, is as usual. It will be, um, let me see, we're starting at 7, so it'll be from 8 to 9. And I think Gary, sometimes he does like back-to-back shows and stuff, and he jumps from one show to another, so he's very prompt, um, which is good. That's that's fabulous. Um, anyway, so what I'm going to do is do the first part of the show that we're working on right now, of course, and then, um, but I've got so much... I talked about this a little bit on the prayer vigil. I actually talked about it a whole lot more than I even thought I was going to. Um, uh, And I was grimacing. I was not really grimacing. What is the right word? I was deliberating in a swirly-whirly fashion uh, without any – you know, how am I going to get this? There's so much apocalyptic news right at the moment. Now, could it – die off a little bit maybe but i you know i i've just been looking at the trend and you know that we used to like if i go back about a year from now if i go back in time a year from year um i you know i remember there were not always but there were definitely those weeks where we would have um three or four days go by and we would be doing the wednesday show the sunday show was absolutely jam-packed full of apocalyptic news then we get to wednesday And there was like hardly anything to talk about. I mean, there's always some things that you can report. But what I don't like to do, and this may be to a fault, is I don't like to over-repeat things. Because my assumption is that the vast majority of the people that listen to this program probably listen pretty regularly. And so, you know, I can imagine, you know, I I don't want to be held responsible for causing anyone to slip into a coma, if you know what I'm saying. On the flip side of that coin, though, there's probably a percentage of new listeners that will pop in and out and that kind of thing. You know, they start out, of course, I've got the emails over the last 12 years where they, you know, say, they come back, you know, I don't know, at some point or another, I'll get an email from somebody I've never seen before. And and they'll be like, um, you know, I used to listen to you three years ago and I thought you were a stark, stark raving lunatic and uh, I just flipped you off. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, but I got to tell you, brother, uh, you know, I did some looking around and stuff and Man, you have been hitting the nail on the head. And they come back, and they're all, like, you know, very encouraging and stuff like that. So that does happen. People have to grow um, kind of out of the the little, I don't know, bubble that we all have bubbles. We all have had bubbles in our lives. Uh, if If we're really seeking God fervently and we're not just listening to somebody bouncing around on a stage in a church, uh, then, um, uh, then, and we're really, you know, it's it's a personal thing between us and the Lord. In that case, our growth will jettison 
very high, very fast. It'll move quickly. But there are foundations. There are baselines. And you have to have those baselines established, baselines of understanding established. And the example that I would use would be mathematics, um, which I absolutely am. I'm abysmal in math. I'm terrible at math. Um, But anyway, but I do understand it from a managerial level uh, well enough to use this analogously to explain that bubble problem that we all can find ourselves into because of our own and I mean, I've heard people you know use different terms uh, to describe it some people have said you know that your event horizon or whatever they you know they, people make up terms to, to try to describe what is essentially a limitation that we set for ourselves as far as where we're willing to go see I want to go where no man has gone before I want to know more about the mysteries of the Bible than anybody that's ever lived in the face of the earth and God knows it and the Lord is uh, and the Lord gave me a mission that was different. I mean, he made it, oh my goodness, abundantly clear that I was supposed to focus a fantastic amount of my time dealing with the alien problem, okay, uh, and or or the alien phenomenon, we'll say, uh, because it's not always a problem. All right, but anyway, uh, although as far as the Earth is concerned, it's probably mostly a problem, all right, because um, we're not going to be able to tell the difference between a holy watcher versus a fallen watcher versus a fallen angel, or, uh, you know, etc. And they're not demons, so, you you know, the people out there, well, aliens are damn. I used to be one of them. You know, that, that. so, you know, the mathematical analogy is, hey, listen, if you don't know the order of your algebraic, you know, equation, you know, if you don't operate, it's called the order of operations. If you don't know the order of operations for basic algebra, you're done. You're done. There's no trigonometry for you. There's no geometry for you. And heaven forbid, you're not even going to get close to calculus. Okay, forget about it. You have to start somewhere. So what happens is you, get, you, you have plateaus of understanding. Once you get really, really good with algebra, you can come to a place where you can look at a quadratic equation, probably do it in your head. Okay, now I never got to that place, but I was I did after some significant tutoring while I was in uh, at Ohio Tech for uh, a Bachelor of Electronics Engineering Technology. Um, I realized that I really sucked at algebra, and I had to get myself a, uh, a tutor. And I ended up getting a really good tutor, and I got a 4.0 in my first thing, and a whole bunch of people dropped out of that class, and blah, 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 and I'm not going to tell it. But anyway, the point is this. Once you learn algebra and you're pretty darn good at it, then you go into trig, you go into geometry, and those things just kind of snap into place, and all of a sudden, all these strange you know, symbols and you know, things that you never knew even the name of them, and they're asking you to, t- you know, what is the area between blank and blank, or what is the area between Z and Q and whatever, and you know, suddenly it's not such an, you know, it's not alien Egyptian hieroglyphic stuff, you know, and you actually understand what the question is they're asking. And you have some clue as, as to how to, you know, manipulate the equations in a manner that will, you know, solve for, you know, whatever, Z. Okay, solve for Z. And, you know, and then you're going back and forth between, the, you know, this equals that and, you know, and then divide this and move this over here and, you know, and whatever. Um, but the thing is, once you got your algebra, algebra down, then you can go to the next level. Let's say it's geometry, right? And then once you get your geometry down, then you can go to your trigonometry, okay? And so you keep on going up another level, another level, another level, another level, another level. But the cool thing about studying the Bible like that and and going after the mysteries of the Scripture and the mysteries of our existence, the mysteries of our pre-existence, the, uh, you know, why do, are there so many Scriptures in there that, you know, in the Bible that talk about, you know, essentially that Jesus knew us before the foundations of the earth and all that kind of stuff? Because he did. 
did. He did. We weren't floating around in little spirit baby bubbles. You know, I've heard people say things like, you know, we were we were born out of the loins of God. And I'm like, uh, no, no, we no, we didn't pop out as a little spirit baby in a bubble from the loins of God. That is not how it worked. Okay, but anyway, but we all learn. You know, we iron sharpens iron in over 12 years of time. I mean, I rejected pre-existence when I first heard it. I thought it was absolutely numbskullish, and I, I was like, forget it. That's ridiculous, and there's no way. And I didn't even know that, that Satan had buried that amazing mystery inside the, unfortunately, inside the, um, uh, you know, Church of the Latter-day Saints. Um, and that, of course, is a wonderful hiding place for such a mystery that is all over the Bible. Why would Jesus, you know, say, Matthew ten thirty four, have I not said ye are gods? And he's pointing directly, really, he said in your law, have I not said ye are gods? Well, where is he pointing to? He's pointing to Psalms 82. So you know right away when God's standing in the congregation of the mighty and judging amongst the gods, and he says, have I not said that ye are all children of the Most High, which is translated into sons of God. Have I not said that you are all children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men. So how in the world does a minor God, okay, that has essentially eternal, well, a minor God, you know, true minor God would have eternal life, uh, you know, how in the world would that minor God die like a man? Well, pretty simple, really. You have to understand the principle of incarnation. Incarnation, not reincarnation. Reincarnation is a Satan's twist. There's always going to be a twist. Okay, Satan's always, he doesn't have any original ideas. That is the one thing that is said in churchianity that I definitely agree with. He has no original ideas. You know why? Because he, Jesus, and our Heavenly Father architected all of the universes, all of the laws in the universes, all of the rules were already established, everything that was supposed to happen. The only thing that God didn't plan for, because it says so in the Bible, was that Lucifer was going to, you know, go south. Okay? Sin was found in him, which means probably that somebody went and ratted him out, which, of course, would have been the right thing to do. Uh, and, of course, then the wars in the heavens, and they're still going on right now. A lot of people just, you know, but anyway, it's, it's, it's all right. You know, when you can see spaceships out, uh, you know, around the corona of the sun through stereo A and stereo And, and all kinds of things, uh, shooting laser beams at each other in some cases, uh, you know, it becomes pretty real. And, you know, I, like I said, my heart breaks because some of the best uh, UFO hunters uh, through stereo A and B are no longer with us. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, a lot of you out there probably have probably been around long enough to remember uh, BP oil disaster. His actual name was Peter, uh, and unfortunately, he has passed away. He used to talk with a really – I actually have him in he, where he goes – the person that goes wow in this little ditty that I'm going to play, that's actually Peter. Okay, let me play it right here. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's just wrong. Wow. Wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. So that little voice that jumps in there and goes, wow, that's Peter, okay, otherwise known as BP Oil Disaster. And he did, and I have a collection of his work, uh, even posted on tribulation-now.org. And uh, indeed, the very, 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 very best um, uh, UFO video ever ever captured. Um, and it's, it's absolutely fabulous. As a matter of fact, I downloaded it from YouTube, got it off of YouTube because I knew they were going to get rid of it. And then I converted it into an MP4 video and uploaded it directly to the web server, my web server, so that uh, so that the evil forces of darkness could not take it down. Praise God. All right. So we're going to do a three-hour show, which means that in, in about 35 minutes from now, Brother Gary will be joining us. He will do his 
awesome teachings that he does every month for us, which is amazing. Uh, and we're all, I think we're all looking forward to his new book coming out. Um, but, I, but it's because I have so much end-of-the-world news to cover, and I'm afraid – I don't want to – you know, I'm, I'm concerned that between now and Wednesday, a whole bunch of really bad more stuff might happen, and then I'll be utterly overwhelmed. Now, ideally, I'm doing a solo show this Wednesday, and if, if, if all goes well, God's will be done. Uh, then in that case, if I am caught up with the news enough, which I'm hoping for, then I can do a special on the three days of darkness, okay? Praise God and talk to people about that because the Lord has, has imparted upon me an awful lot of information associated with that that a lot of people – I didn't have it all at first. I mean, it took years before the Lord was able to, because I had plateaus, you know, I had to get my algebra down. Um, and that's just how it works. So anyway, praise God. So kids, are you ready for a little bit of fun? Let's have a little bit of fun, even though we don't have a lot of time. Praise God. All right, kids, let's, let's take a shot at a kid. Kids, the barman said, what's with the big Pause. The barman said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, hold on a second. Oh, dog nabbit. I goofed this one up. Kids, I'm sorry about that. I, 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 not, hey, hey, easy, man. This isn't an easy job. I mean, you you know how hard it is to have all these cables and schmables and gizmos and gadgets and widgets and rheostats and switches that all have to be in the right place. you got to cut me a break. All right, I'm going to try this one again. All right, kids, a bear walked into a bar, a big old bear, and he asked the barman for a whiskey and a Coke. The barman said, what's with the big paws? It's a bear. Get it? Okay. No, don't. Oh, no. I'm getting a double boo. You know, there's nothing, you know, there, there's nothing worse than a double boo on one night. All right, one more. Let, let, let's try this one here, kids. Kids, why did the man get fired from the calendar factory? He took a day off. Hey, wait a minute. We covered that already, which means that my housekeeping is getting worse and worse, and I'm getting older, and sooner or later I'm going to be guzzling. Wait a minute. Nope, nope, that one's a door. Yep, nope, no, that ain't going to work. Kids, I knew a guy who collected candy canes. They were all in mint condition. <laughs> right? They were all in mint. Come on. We just got, got through the holiday. Come on, kids. Step out of it. Holy moly. What are you doing with that tablet over there, Spanky? I know you're up to no good. Kids, what would happen if an aquatic mammal, if aquatic mammals at the zoo escaped? Aquatic mammals. You know, mammals that swim in the water and all that kind of stuff. It would be. Otter chaos. Get it? Otter chaos? Otters, you know. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go into the news without hesitation. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So anyway, um, hmm. so what I want to do real fast before I jump into it, I've got about 60 seconds before I'll be at the 30 minutes after the beginning of the show. Anyway, so 
I've got an awful lot of audio bites. And the reason I think they're very important is because I could tell you about all this stuff like I did in Friday Night Prayer Vigil. But hearing it come from other experts is like much more of a confirmation, right? All right. Now, so that's why I want wanted to capture these audio moments, if you will. Some of them I will keep and I will move them. I've been shuffling a lot of these that are just incredible uh, audio bites into a earlier part of, you know, because I'm in the news sections of the show notes and, I, and I've been like saving the really, really killer ones and moving them back up above the kids jokes inside the show notes. But anyway, the reason I, I do that is because we're going to revisit them. Um, and the reason why we're going to revisit them is because these things are actually coming to pass right now. So I've got a combination of two, essentially two categories, if you will, of audio bites that I want to share with you tonight. One of them is exceedingly concerning uh, and um, indicates strongly that we could be just a few months away from a situation that is not good. It's really, really bad. However, comma, it is also possible because of God's timing, God's mercy, all that other stuff, that, that these are all preparatory, and we may not actually, at least those of us who aspire to be part of the first fruits, first watch barley harvest, after the global financial collapse and the revealing of the Antichrist, which will probably almost certainly happen after the ground-based nuke is, uh, destroys Chicago and the United States in an act of planned, pre-planned uh, you know, desperacy of the sort will enact what's known as NSD, National Security Directive Number 51, for the continuity of government. That is where I believe in the redacted text that made, you know, infuriated the um, subcommittees in, in, the, in the Senate and the House. Uh, you know, the Homeland Security subcommittees, they were not allowed to read the redacted text in NSD number 51 for the continuity of government. Now, in there, I believe with all of my heart that they have um, that that uh, there's always a movie, like a prophetic movie that goes along with it. And I've talked about this many times. The Kiefer Sutherland uh, TV series where it's called, you know, uh, Designated Survivor, I believe is prophetic in the sense that NSD 51, I believe, basically has text in there that says that the last acting president will be put back in to the Oval Office in the case of a major, massive emergency, such as Chicago being nuked from the ground, which, of course, they will blame on Russia, and it will immediately jettison us into full-blown World War III, not just the ramping up to it, not the, not a missile here and a missile there, a jet here, a jet there. You know, you know I'm talking about Mac Daddy, full-blown, behold a pale horse kind of stuff. All right, so that, in my opinion, at that point, we will have entered in full force uh, into the uh, fourth seal, behold a pale horse. All right, not not that we're not seeing bits and pieces of the, you know, behold a pale horse happening now, because it does say in the beast of the field at the very end of it, we are seeing strange animal behavior that rivals some of the absolutely bizarre, you know, uh, uh, Twilight Zone-like 
domestic animal behavior that we were seeing back prior to 2012. Okay, but the stuff that we're seeing today is even creepier and weirder. All right, if you know if that were possible. All right, praise God. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start out by playing this one little ditty. Uh, it, 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 is, it is from the redacted team. Um, uh, everybody has a contribution that they make, and everybody has a limit to where they go in their understanding of things. But whatever, you know, when they do something like a bit, like if they're doing like an audio bit on a particular problem, like in this case, it has to do with the vaccine passports and the WHO treaty. Um, if they do a good job of covering it and I'm like sitting there going, oh, no, 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 because you know, I've known about all these things. But I tried to explain it to a friend this afternoon. I was on the phone. I said, you can know, you know, you can be told by your doctor that your mom is going to die, you know, and that she has some kind of a disease and, you know, her prognosis is maybe a year out or whatever the case may be. And you can live with that, and that's fine, and you get along with it, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you something. The emotional surge that occurs when that event actually happens, when your mom dies or your dad dies, and you're faced with their absence for the rest of your life, and, of course, it's an earthly thing, but nevertheless, you are devastated. So that, so even though you're, you're very sad, you're troubled, you hate the prognosis, you're praying every day for the blood of Jesus to heal them, you're laying hands on them, you're, all that kind of stuff, you just believe in for a complete turnaround, and then, bam, you get the call. Or they slip into a coma, like, or kind of like a coma, like my mom did, and, um, you know, you have a little bit of time with them. Um, and that was an amazing testimony, the testimony with my mom, but I don't have time tonight. But anyway, um, enough said. Um, I, I do want to jump right into these um, uh, audio bites because there's a lot of them. And I don't even know if the three hours that I set aside. So I will be continuing after Gary is done for another hour to try to get through. So there's two major categories, absolute apocalyptic, holy cow, are you kidding me stuff? And then I've also captured some audio bites that are like just worth hearing. They're just worth hearing. Uh, some of the things that Trump said at the CPAC conference, some of the things that Ted Cruz said at the CPAC conference, some of the things that Matt Getz said at the T CPAC conference. It's amazing to hear them actually say this in such a humongous auditorium full of all kinds of lawmakers and lawyers and people that work in the government to have them come right out and say what we've all been thinking all this time. And uh, But then to sadly realize that, you know, um, what is his name, Garrick Marland or whatever, you know, the whole Department of Justice, uh, you know, it, 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 these, these um, uh, entities are completely controlled. And if you can't get the Department of Justice to, to um, take the case, which is what always happens, and that's why, you know, we oftentimes will get a phone call uh, from, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Beck. He'll call up the show occasionally, like now, and he'll tell us why. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. So it, it, it's, it's fascinating because you get this – we all have a little bit, you know, yes, we are citizens of heaven. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it Philippians 3.20? I think so. Our citizenship is in heaven. You know, keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world, Colossians 3.3. 3. You know, that's who we are. We're not 
heart, we're not American Christians. We're not Namibian Christians. We're not Filipino Christians. We're not Antarctic Christians. You know, whatever. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? We are all one body in Christ. And like Galatians says, I love this, there is neither man nor woman, Jew or Gentile. We are all one in the body of Christ. Praise God. So there's this notion that, oh, wow, we're American Christians and we're blessed because we back Israel is one of the most absolutely awful things that the church teaches people because let me tell you something, there's a lot of people that are going to be horrified because they are not going to see this gigantic locomotive that is about to run them over, run their families over, squish their kids into little gooey piles of goo. Okay, they, they, People don't see the magnitude of what is coming their way. All right, and, and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, there is a lot we can do about it, but you've got to recognize the power that you have in Christ. Now to him who is able to do, now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That sounds like a lot to me. I don't know about you, but exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That phrase alone speaks volumes. That's a lot of power. And it says, according to the power that works in us. Okay, so there's a lot of power that we wield in, the, in our prayer lives. And we need, and, and as Charles Spurgeon had said, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Praise Jesus. And all we got to have is faith. And we got to remember this more than anything else. When you are praising God for something that you have not seen materialize in, in the flesh in your life, you you keep on praising him, you keep on praising him, you keep on praying, you keep on praying, you keep on praising him and praising him and praising him and praising him and praising him. Because there's an old saying, and I believe this saying is absolutely true. The one second, that very millisecond that you decide that you're not going to, you're going to say, oh, I'm just going to give up now. I'm not going to praise God anymore. You are two seconds away from God giving you that the answer to that prayer, and you just lost it. So we never quit. All right, hallelujah, no matter what. Praise Jesus. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and play play this for you because um, we're going to run out of time real fast, and Gary will join us, and I'll, ne I'll never get – I still don't think I'm going to get through a lot of this. I'll, I'll just save a bunch for Wednesday as well, okay, for the first part of the show Wednesday. Here we go. I want you to hear this. It's spooky. So the World Health Organization is pushing for global vaccine passports. At the same time, they are pushing – for global pandemic powers through the, what's known as the CA plus treaty. So I read your emails every morning, many of you, hundreds of emails that you send and you're saying, please, please do not let this happen. Okay, what can we do, Clayton, to stop this treaty? What can we do? And I think, you know, at the heart of it is really letting your elected officials know you do not want to have anything to do with this. That's one way. Flood their office with calls. That's one way for them to know about it. They want to win re-election. If they know that their entire constituency is pissed off about this, that's one way. So this pandemic treaty gives the WHO, the World Health Organization, power to declare and manage global pandemic emergencies. Now, this would mean that they could mandate lockdowns, vaccine mandates, vaccine supplies, and distribution, and monitoring and surveillance of populations. The WHO began the meeting to work out the draft of this treaty on Monday. And we're going to be looking for the results of that meeting when it ends on Friday. So many of you are asking, Clayton, what's the update on this meeting that started on the 27th? Well, it's still going on. All right. I need to add a point of clarification here because this threw me for a loop. This is only the discussion on the draft 
Okay, so there's a lot of people chit-chatting. I'm seeing a lot of information out on the Internet, and people are throwing stuff over there like, Biden already signed the treaty. We're doomed. We're doomed. The country is gone. The Constitution is eradicated, blah, 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 blah. Listen, the final draft evidently is not supposed to come out until sometime in May. Now, what does that mean? Probably not a heck of a lot, really, when you think, you know, that the DOJ is totally compromised. We're dealing with a bunch of shape-shifting reptilians that are taking orders from the Pindar, which is, you know, I believe he's a Pindar, and, and Klaus Schwab, and all this other global satanic crime syndicate stuff. Okay, and, and, and the tentacles of the Hydra are so buried so deeply. When I am done with this program, when I share with you the stuff that I Lord has shown me, you're going to be creeped out, and you ought to be. You ought to be real creeped out. That's why this show, you know, whether it bleeds over into Wednesday or not, at the end of the day, I hope to get information into your heart that motivates you like never before to do everything you need to do, which I talk about all the time, to make the barley harvest first watch the first rescue mission off of this planet. Whatever you got to do, do not miss. Please. Okay, thank you, Jesus. All right, so I wanted to clarify that because uh, it caused a lot of confusion, and there were people on, uh, all over the place just making all kinds of mistakes. All right, I, so anyway, let, let's go ahead and con- continue to listen to some of the provisions of this uh, <clears throat> proposed um, World Health Organization pandemic um, uh, uh, treaty that we already know is a fact that Biden will sign. And I don't care how many people stomp and, you know, in the Senate and the House and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other thing. Guess One guy even said, well, they're going to need to have Senate approval for Biden to be able to sign that. And I'm like, excuse me, what can of tuna did you crawl out of? <laughs> it's like unbelievable to stop people say. Biden has not sought no, no approval from anybody except the Antichrist himself, who's pulling all the marionette strings. All right, so let's go ahead and continue to listen to this because it gets creepier and creepier, creepier and creepier as it goes on. So we'll, we'll have an update for you on Friday as soon as we have this information and what the, what the answer is here. Meanwhile, they're also pushing for global vaccine passports through a series of proposed amendments to the international health regulations, which goes back to 2005, a legally binding instrument that imposes various conditions on 196 different member states. Vaccine passports would be digital and paper records of your health records, your travel history, everywhere you go, every person you visit, every train you're on, every plane you're on, every rest stop you you stop at, Think about that, right? You, every rest stop on the highway, you think you have anonymity on, a, on, a, on the turnpike? You don't. Your vaccine status for all vaccines and an assessment of your threat level based on various data points about you. This is not a conspiracy theory, guys. This is in their documents, specifically in their documents. Your threat level. What's your threat level? Can you imagine like dating apps? Like instead of like, do you like dogs? <laughs> like must love dogs, you know? Like do you, likes likes long walks on the beach. Now you must like include in the dating app, like you know, your threat level. Like what's your threat level, you know? Well, and it seems like the threat level would have to be added by other people because it wouldn't make sense if you got to add your own threat level because I'm not a threat, you know? Well, I mean, but you would have to add it. Maybe it's tied directly into like you know how you have an API when you log into certain things. Maybe now you have like mm-hmm. your own API. You log in with your oh, it, I just, Google I scan my microchip. Yeah, yeah. 
So now it pulls your data in you without go. you having to put it in anyway, right? Mm-hmm. That works. It would be readable and it would be shareable according to the WHO countries. This is in their document across the globe and it could be used to stop you and your luggage from crossing the borders. Again, in the paperwork. We went through it today. We went through the documentation. Here are the things that the, the WHO would be able to do based on the changes to this document. Okay, so let's go through their document. Article 18 recommendations with respect to persons, baggage, cargo, containers, conveyances, goods, and postal, parcel, postal parcels. Look at all this. Recommendations issued by the WHO to state parties with respect to persons may include the following advice. No specific health measures are advised. Review travel history in affected areas. Review proof of medical examination and any laboratory analysis. Require medical examinations. Review proof of vaccination or other prophylaxis. Require vaccination and other prophylaxis. That's hard to say quickly. Please place suspect persons under public health observation. In other words, detain them, throw them into a lockdown. So they could detain you. Wow. They could stop you. They could require a medical exam on the spot, quarantine you, and place you under observation. Well, and it's not, and when they say place suspect, that's not like they're saying, hey, come on over here. We're going to put you in here. No, when they place you, you pick something up and you place it somewhere, right? Right. That means you are forcefully getting placed where they want you. Well, and we already saw that in Australia. We saw that in other yeah. parts of the world being placed in camps, held against your will, people escaping and telling the world about these places. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, it's crazy. So, um, well, they we could, also know that – Well. Detaining people, especially in the U.S., like detaining people, often ends up in the people getting shot. So, I mean, is that what they're gonna what they're gonna end up doing? Like, if you if you what you're gonna you're resisting arrest at this point, like that's that's a dangerous game. Yeah, and we saw the you data if it, in the newsletter today. We covered how so many people behind bars ended up dying um, due to negligence, basically, during the pandemic. So, being locked up, put away, held against your will by the government because they don't like your status, your vaccine status. They could also take possession of your luggage or other possessions according to the documents. Now, Reclaim the Net published changes to this document today, and they did a good job. And here are the countries that submitted proposed changes. This is kind of stunning. So the countries were... All right, so I'm going to break it at that point because it is a long, it goes on for like 20 minutes. But you heard the most important creepy, scary stuff. They're, they're, so basically, they're going to be able to bust down your front door. They're going to be able to come in in the middle of the night. They're, you know, don't even get me going on the supporting acts like the John Warner Defense Authorization Act of 2007, which waives habeas corpus and allows them to use what's called extraordinary rendition and take you away in the middle of the night. We know about the FEMA camps, so we know where they're going to be taking you. And those FEMA camps are all over the place, primarily on military bases, but they're other elsewhere as well. Um, don't even get me going on the weird, creepy stuff that's going on in the Walmarts all over the country. I'll be talking about that in a second. Um, but anyway, you heard, you know, but some of the things they left out is that when they put you on lockdown, like say they put you in a FEMA camp, you and your family, uh, and they, you know, you, they disappear you. Okay, now what, what happens to your house? What if they detain you? I, I can tell you that I had a friend that got in trouble with the law. I'm sorry it did happen to him, but it did. And he was not able to see the judge. He was in the local jail uh, waiting for his arraignment for over a year and a half. A year and a half. 
before he even got to see the judge for one time. In the meantime, he lost his house. Um, you know, so again, he's lose. I should say he's losing his house. He's lost his job. And what's to make any one of us think that we wouldn't have the same things happen to us? Because these, they're not in any hurry. When they're processing a million people for their, because they're fighting back and they're, they don't want to take a vax, think about it. How long is it going to be before they get to your name on the list? And will you have a job? Will you have a house? What happens to all those things? What about your pets? Right. It's just some really horrific stuff here. Very very horrific. All I can say is, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray again that not one of us misses the barley harvest, not one. Correct us, do whatever you have to do, but please, please, Father, let us go before this stuff happens, full force, please. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you, Father, and we trust you, and we thank you. Amen. All right, so I wanted you to hear that. Very, very scary. Definitely stuff that can keep somebody up at night. All right, now that being said, wouldn't you know, right at the time that they're looking at this and, you know, all these treaties and this, that, and the other thing, this is what happens. This is Chris Guy making a comment about it. Here we go. Yes, I'm getting tattooed, but I just got some weird information that I thought was important enough to make this video. So international sources of mine, and these are pretty reliable sources, have told me that in Chile, there's a current virus outbreak, and it's mirroring the avian flu H5N1. They have UN troops, there's doctors, there's quarantines, there's hazmat suits. They're basically, uh, it looks like they're trying to use Chile as the first country to try to implement the new pandemic treaty, as Chile was one of the first countries to uh, sign on to that treaty and to want that treaty and it looks like they're trying to reinvigorate a pandemic round two with an H5N1 bird flu. Now everybody knows this has a fatality rate of around 50% when it infects people. However, 50%. if this bird flu mutates to the point where it can infect people to people easily like COVID or a normal flu, the mortality rate will also drop off significantly. Now, while what he just said is true, do you think that anybody in the world will believe it? Do you think that any of the lying uh, propaganda, you know, Nazi press all over the world that's totally controlled by Satan, um, do you think that uh, they're going to say anything other than 50%, 50%, 50%, 50%, dead bodies everywhere, it's the end of the world, you know, emergency, it's, they're going to make, you know, again, if, 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 if. Now, remember this, though, however, okay? These are very clever, these, 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 these reptilian uh, overlords. They, they are very, very, very intelligent, and they know what we're thinking. They know that, they, that there are now millions of never-vaxxers out there. They know that there are people at CPAC and, and lawmakers and stuff that are calling them out. They know that they're under a microscope, they, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people are also making the mistake. They, they're saying things like, well, uh, all the elites are busted. We know their game, and, and they know we're coming for them kind of a thing. Well, no, they're 50, 200 steps ahead of us all the time, and that's the most horrific part about all of this. All right, so whenever you, you get this impression that they're going to, like, arrest Bill Gates or something like that, let me just tell you something, folks. Glenn Beck has it down. Nothing ever happens to any of them, and that's exactly what's going to continue to happen. Nothing. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. 
Okay, according to this particular uh, per, uh, confirmation uh, from a, um, a person on my finely tuned Twitter feed, uh, Chile uh, has not only the people that uh, Chris uh, Sky was talking about, but also 25 young military cadets were hospitalized in what they called serious conditions with serious respiratory, and three of them are already on ventilators, which means that doesn't look good for them. Okay, we all know what happens with the ventilators, and we all know they, they're they basically, that's it, you know, ventilator equals death. All right, anyway, so, um, uh, and again, the news reports coming pouring out, H5N1 avian flu, human-to-human infections involving military cadets in Chile's Valparaiso region. All right. So anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. A whole bunch more, too. As a matter of fact, there's another headline that says the headline is China reports human cases of H5N1 bird flu outbreaks are occurring all all over the different, you know, wherever. OK, it probably mentions a couple of cities or whatever, a couple of boroughs or towns or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's irrelevant. It really if you reflect back to when the covid thing broke out and, and how pandemonious. <laughs> you know, the whole thing, and I laugh because, you know, pandemic, pandemonious, pand- you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. But anyway, um, no, it's pandemonious. Uh, it was absolutely insane. So, and, um, you know, so anyway, a uh, whole lot of people to blame, and nobody's gotten it all figured out. We're probably one of the closer groups in the world that that understands because of our understanding of how Satan is involved with all of this and the, and the, and the satanic crime syndicate is involved in all of this and the tentacles of the Hydra are involved. You know, once you start to see the depth of the infection that we're not talking about, like, you know, uh, um, stage four lung cancer. We're talking about like stage 25 lung cancer. <laughs> and I know there is no such thing, but, you know, still makes a good analogy. All right. Now, this is a travesty, but I'm going to read it to you. Okay, so in the middle of the Twitter feed, some person, I'm not going to name their name, is evidently some type of a pastor or Bible, whatever, Christian. And the person comes out and he says, my goal for you is to be equipped so that you can explain to everybody out there why this is not the tribulation. See, this is exactly what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a bunch of people that are standing behind the podium as representatives of Christianity that have no idea what they're doing. They're reading the Bible wrong, and they're telling people wrongful things, and it's going to end up horrible for them. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get a little passionate? Oh, okay. The global elite, okay, uh, this, this is a subtitle for the next section. The global elite mission stayed, uh, is stated very clearly by this particular person. This is three minutes and 50 seconds long. Now you understand. I am barely 20% through these um, audio bites, and there is a gushing large number of them and much, much more really scary stuff that you need to be aware of. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give away my thunder, but I am going to play. I, I'm just letting you know that when Gary is done with his awesome teaching um, and he says, you know, bids us adieu around the 9 o'clock you know, Eastern time hour, uh, p.m. Eastern time hour, uh, when he says, says goodbye, well, I am going to carry on the show for another hour and try to hammer my way through a lot more of these audio bites because I'm, I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you, this stuff is, it's like a black satanic wall. It's like a vice, and it's clamping down on us, and people are unaware of how bad it's clamping down on us. 
It is very close. And when I share it with you, you're like I said, yeah, hopefully that you're sleeping in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because otherwise you ain't sleeping. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to play this a little bit because this guy did a fabulous job of kind of, you know, giving a summary of some of the stuff that's going on. Now, of course, he misses the Bible part, which is the most important part, but nevertheless, uh, worth listening to. So let's go ahead and listen to him. Hold on. Vincent Kennedy, I think it says it is, but I don't know, maybe somebody else. Special Ops Forces, meaning intelligence and military operations, in more countries than they have embassies. They have embassies in roughly one-third of all the countries in the world, but they have Special Ops Forces in roughly three-fourths of all the countries on Earth. The U.S. has carried out at least 469 military interventions since 1798, but more than half of those have been carried out in just the last 30 years. In other words, they've carried out more military operations around the world in just the past three decades than in the preceding 200 years. If you combine the total spending of the top 10 military budgets in the world, the countries that spend the most on their militaries, if you combine that total, it still won't equal what the United States spends on their military. Now, these 250 or so military interventions since 1991 have been primarily carried out for economic reasons, to control resources, access to resources, access to markets, to control markets, and so on. The use of the American military has been disproportionately for the sake of business. It has not been ideological, it has not been nationalistic, it has not been religious, and it has not been to spread democracy. The U.S. military does not enter a country except that it is either following or followed by businessmen. Now, I'm saying all of this to explain that whenever we talk about the U.S. doing this or that, we're not talking about the United States per se. We are talking about the military and political power of the U.S. being mobilized or being used to promote or secure or protect the interests of a financial elite who may or may not be American, but who are themselves not loyal to the U.S. This has to be understood. Whenever people start talking about the world moving from being a unipolar world to a multipolar world. Because you're simply mistaken if you believe that the United States of America is in and of itself the unipolar power in global affairs. The U.S. is simply the strongest and most coercive instrument of power in the world. And it is utilized by a contingent of financial elites who belong to no nation. The owners and controllers of global financialized capital constitute the unipolar power in the world today. It's a private sector power. They are not a country, they are not a nation state, but they dominate global affairs. As long as this remains the case, there is never going to be any genuine multipolarity in international relations. So it would be useful for you to start thinking of investors or thinking of the rich as being their own nationality. Their interests and agendas have nothing to do with the security or well-being of the nations in which they hold citizenship. As we can see now across Europe, this new imperial class of private sector elites have no hesitation in undermining the economic stability, the financial well-being, the living conditions, the quality of life, the peace and tranquility of even Western nations. So before we can confront this reality, we have to recognize it. Nation states do not exist as independent power entities in the West. They are subordinate to a private sector, a national class of imperialistic owners of capital. The Western neoliberal political and economic models are hostile to national sovereignty, 
They're hostile to democracy, they're hostile to independent government, and they're hostile to any iteration of a social contract. In these models, the highest duty of every citizen, of every institution, of every government, is to contribute to corporate profits. It is quite simply greed gone mad. All right. So um, that may be – so the, the, the only missing link, his, his dissertation and his analysis and the, the, uh, or, you know, the way that he communicated it was unimpeachable. He's absolutely correct. Now, the piece that's missing is the Satan part. The piece that's missing from almost all of these pundits who understand intimately what is going on, writing books, doing dissertations like this gentleman, um, at the end of the day, they're all missing the most important part. This is all leading up to the mark of the beast. This is all leading up to the Great Tribulation. All of this is 100% biblical, but they're missing that part. It's the most important part. And um, so at the end of the day, when you realize that Klaus Schwab is a satanic entity that probably meets regularly with Satan, at I would submit most likely very frequently at blood sacrifice ceremonies, you know, where they, they do horrible things. I won't even get into it. Because it's much more horrible than you would, you might imagine. All right, these are some sick, twisted, non-human tears that are absolutely. Mm, 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 mm. You know what? It, it, many people like myself who have studied such things will often come to a point in our studies where we wonder why God hasn't obliterated the earth yet. Then we remember how merciful he is towards those who, unfortunately, still don't have their eyes open. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, on that note, now remember, I'm going to continue uh, after Gary does his teaching because I want to try to hammer through some more of these audio bites because the stuff that they're doing right now, I'm talking about right now, is go- it, it, they're, they're installing the infrastructure everywhere for the mark of the beast, for our imprisonment, and for the fulfillment of some of the most horrific prophecies that are in the book of Revelation. But you've got to know what you're reading, and you've got to understand how it all snaps together. How long is this going to take? No, but we, we have no idea. That, that, that's, you know, but, no, but like I said, it's one thing to know that your mom or your dad has a prognosis of living six months. You, you know, you, you get stunned. You feel terrible. Uh, you t- cry a little bit about it, but you g- but life goes on. You you hang out with your mom and your dad. You do your birthdays. Everything is cool, you know. But there's a whole different rush of of intense emotions that occur when that parent actually dies. We think we have it together, but we don't. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, right now we're getting the prognosis. Right now, the analysis has been done. Right now, we know that we're at stage four cancer, you know, and, it, and it's some kind of, you know, highly invasive, fast-spreading, highly deadly. We, we, we get all that. The infrastructure is going in place. What we don't understand 
is that moment that it's going to clamp down. When, when the big red lever, it could be years. We don't know. But it's important to be aware that the infrastructure is going in place. This ain't about a supercomputer, folks. This ain't about some UPC code or American Express card back in the 70s where you had a whole bunch of uh, evangelical Christians running around going, it's the mark of the beast, it's the mark of the beast. This is the real deal, folks. And it's coming down hard. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Brother Gary Wayne. Hallelujah. Thank you so much and uh, you know, for coming. We love you every single month to do a teaching for us because this is some absolutely unbelievable and super thorough uh, um, uh, teachings and understandings, more advanced than I've ever heard uh, And in, in this book, Gen- the Genesis 6 Conspiracy. Praise God. So anyway, let's bring on Brother Gary right now. Praise God. Brother Gary, are you there? <laughs> I am, there? and uh, really happy to be back again tonight. No, I, I'm, I'm thrilled, I, and I know the guests are too. I, I love your shows, and, and, uh, and the book is incredible. Like I said, I gave it to a friend of mine who got himself into a little bit of trouble. And let me tell you, just pretty much just about every, everybody at the um, Falk, Faulkner Road, Hillsborough County Jail System has read your book more than once. <laughs> so anyway, wow. uh, that's, oh, I'm serious. And he said they were passing it around like it was like, you know, gumdrops on uh, Christmas Eve. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Gary. How the descendants of giants plan to enslave humankind by um, by. You ought to be a professor. You ought to get an honorary doctorate for all of this research that you've done. And the new book, uh, I, I know I ask this all the time, and, and it's usually up to the publishers, but have you gotten any feedback yet, or is there anything new from the publishers yet, or are we still kind of in that queue? We're still in the queue. They're excited to have uh, the initial sort of drafts, and so now we're just kind of – we're still working through some of the details for the publishing contracts, so – uh, I w- I'm hoping to have it ready for um, the end of May because I'm doing a show for the Sacred Word people in Atlanta, uh, May 26th to 28th, and we'll be speaking two times there. And I would love to have the book ready for then, but that may not happen. We'll have to see. Um, but uh, it's in the process. So, or, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be done. There's artwork and then there's editing back and forth. Um, and things like that that we need to get in. And they generally book out about three months in advance for the uh, uh, for what they're publishing. And so I was hoping to uh, sort of nudge into that for, for this, uh, this coming quarter. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but it's going to be out this year. There's no doubt about that. And I'm excited. It's uh, called the Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 2. How understanding prehistory and giants helps to define end-time prophecy. So it's a book that can be read independent of the first book. It uh, goes, uh, and it's strictly targeted at Christians this time, and it goes really deep on how much the Bible talks about giants uh, and how it talks about the hybrids created from, from the giants. It talks about the angelic hierarchy of the invisible ones, and it's defining important terminology for uh, 
understanding prophecy as we're going through this and underscoring and one of the things we'll underscore tonight on the, on the topic is nothing as new is under the sun and then i go into end time prophecy and how that all connects into end time prophecy and start to provide a chronology for people to to look at so um really excited to have it uh uh in the process uh, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of work it's uh over 600 pages so it is less than the first book which is what i promised and it's 85 chapters so um that's uh something that i'm certainly hoping to have out pretty soon so tonight's chapter is starting a new section at section four it's chapter 39 and it's called appropriately nothing new under the sun and uh, I'm just going to read the verse. I think most people have heard of the verse, but I think it's just so appropriate to what's going on right now and um, what my book is all about and what the second book is all about. Um, and it says, what has been will be again and what has been will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was already long ago. It was here before our time. Nothing is new under the sun. I think when I think about end-time prophecy, there cannot be, for me, anything more terrifying than those words. What was will be again. Nothing is new. It it repeats over and over and over, but it comes to its full culmination in the end time. I just can't imagine, and I don't think most people can imagine what is actually going to be coming down the pipe. Uh, It's one of the things that I think is, you know, that you should not want to go through, but if we are indeed in the fig tree generation, and I think that we probably are, and there's a good opportunity that we're going to see at least significant parts of these horrific things that are going to be um, coming down the pike but this understanding of is is what was will be again and that nothing is new under the sun when we look at what happened in the first apocalypse of water and what it was like in the days of noah it is absolutely um, mind-numbing to think of that sort of prospects and that's why it's so important to understand prehistory to understand end time prophecy And when we look at a verse in Luke 21, I think it just sort of sums it up. Uh, Luke 21, 26 uh, through 36, as it lays out part of the signs of the end time of Jesus' oration, it says, men's hearts will fail them for fear what is coming or going on on the events of the earth. That's how bad it is. Men's hearts will fail them at what they're seeing. It is unimaginable what is coming. And so as shocking and as seemingly far out as some of the things that we talk about, what happened in prehistory, it's going to come, and it's going to come at full measure, and it's going to be like uh, like the days of Noah. There is a generation that Jesus talks about in his oration. He says that there is a fig tree generation when all the events of what he talks about and thus all of the events of prophecy that have yet to be fulfilled, uh, except for what's going to happen in the millennium and beyond, but that end time prophecy aspect, uh, 
is going to be fulfilled in that one generation. And the world, the earth, the universe will pass away, but his words will not pass away. That is the uh, bleak understanding of these horrific events that will be coming on a specific generation. And we don't know exactly how long a generation is. Uh, You know, when we look at the book of Exodus and the time of the Exodus, it talks about 40 years. When we look at the book of Psalms, it talks about 70 years. And then in the creation of the giants and the preamble to the flood story in Genesis 6-3, it says 120 years. So we can't always be exact as to the exact year and the time. And we're told there's no way we can know that anyways. But we do know there's a generation and we have perhaps a parameter of what that generation looks like as well as the signs that um, are being talked about and on this show, uh, you know, every every time um, that the show comes on on, on on Tribulation Radio, you get sort of the instant headlines out of out of the news for, for what's going on. So we have this as being for a specific generation. I think we are in the fig tree generation. I think that probably starts with Jerusalem. Uh, because Jerusalem is absolutely essential to end-time prophecy, and that the people of the southern kingdom that we would understand as Judah today would be back in the covenant land. So those two things are required, and Jerusalem is the epicenter for the end-time prophecy. So we have that in place. It doesn't totally mean that we're in the fig tree generation, but certainly Jesus referred to when you see the fig tree in bloom and in reference, and I think in direct reference for him killing a fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit anymore, um, before he goes into the oration, just before, not at the same time, but a little bit before he goes into his oration when the disciples come to him, I think that's all part of the understanding of understanding the season of, of the, uh, of the birth of the uh, of the fig tree generation so it is a time that is coming and there's a specific generation that is targeted and that's something to contemplate just as there was a generation that was targeted before the flood there's a generation that is targeted ordained foreseen from the beginning as the alpha omega sees all things when this will all come about that only god knows Not even the sun knows, not even the angels know. Um, And certainly if anybody was to know the word, the son of God would know. But uh, apparently he doesn't know the exact time. I'm sure he understands as part of the God set that he is, you know, of the the season and and the timing, but not the exact time of his coming. So all of this is is going to play out in, in this generation, in a specific generation. And... I have a chapter where I go into this in detail that's later on in this section of section four that I call the terminal generation. Um, and these descriptions that show up in this uh, generation is described in Second Timothy. And so it's a generation that is having their hearts hardened like that of Pharaoh, like that of the Nephilim, like that of the Raphaim. These are people that are 
akin in spirit, if you if you if you if you like, to the the creation, the spirit's offspring of, of of the fallen angels. And it says, you know, that men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy. It goes on to say that they will have um, no natural affection. They will be truce breakers. So they don't honor anything. They are accusers. They are incontinent. They are fierce. And they despise everything that is good. This is a generation of people being prepared that are traitors. They're heady. They're high-minded. They're, they love their pleasures more than they love God. They love pleasures above anything. They have a form of godless, godly, godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I think that form of godliness is, is the knowledge and the technology and the advancements that, that is being made that, that um, gives us a form to have some power, but not anywhere near the power of, of God by any stretch of the imagination, no matter what they're going to tell us. And so this is a generation that is um, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They will believe anything other than the truth, and they will be haters of the truth, and they will hate you for telling the truth. And I think we're starting to see that. I think we're seeing coming into their prominence this generation. And, you know, when we see all the disinformation and misinformation that is going on and it's all coming uh, opposite to what they accuse the people of act, of doing it, they're the ones that are actually doing it. This is that opposition to truth that we're just starting to see to come to a level that will become not only just increasing, but to a level we can't imagine. They're going to turn everything upside down and inside out. It will be almost impossible unless you're fully rooted in the Bible to tell the difference. And that will make you dangerous because they will even be drafting the Bible with their own interpretations, with their polytheist interpretive approach, and they will bend it like a pretzel to mean whatever they want to say. They will not read it literally. They will not really read it chronologically. They will take what they want. Um, they will cast aside whatever they don't like, and they will change the meaning of whatever they like. And so unless you are prepared for an onslaught, because they are, let me tell you, they are. They are very good in their arguments. They will cast out, they will bring in wedges, and they will permit the fig tree generation of godless, godlessness to, to take hold. And, and we're just seeing what I see as the early birth pangs of that taking part today. And so this is that fig tree generation. And what follows the fig tree generation that's talked about in Matthew 24, 32, to 35 is verses 36 to 39 where we get an understanding of the analogy of this generation and it's called the days of Noah and 
days can mean, if you take that back to Hebrew, it can mean a day, it can mean multiple days, it can mean years, and it can also mean a generation. And just as Jesus uses it in Matthew and Mark and Luke about the days of Noah, we get this exact words recorded in Hebrew in Genesis 9:29, in the days of Noah. And Noah lived 600 years before the flood, and he lived 350 years after the flood. And we need to understand there was giants both before and after the flood. We need to understand that this Enochian mysticism that sprouts up at Babel as the allegory for the end-time universal religion was both before the flood and after the flood. And so we have this, this, these days of Noah, that is the generation of Noah. And just as Mark and Matthew use just the days of Noah analogy, Luke completes the analogy, including the days of Lot and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah is a significant part of the allegories in end-time prophecy and the destructions that are coming for Babylon and, and other locations that are going to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah in the end time. So when we look at that destruction in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, that's by fire. Just as in the book of Peter, we learn that the destruction of the end time is coming by fire, whereas the apocalypse in... Uh, the time of the Nephilim and in the antediluvian period before the flood, that, that comes with the apocalypse of water. And so this is something that is at another level that, again, that where I'm pulling from, from the book of Peter says, it hasn't been like that kind of destruction since the beginning, since the absolute beginning. So this is a destruction that is coming in the fig tree generation that is um, something that is going to cause men's heart to fail. And it will just keep coming until Jesus steps in the other. And if he did not, if he would not, then all flesh would be destroyed. So humankind is at this level of technology and this level of hubris that hasn't been seen since before the flood. Because before the flood, they had a level of technology that we're just getting to now. So again, we're starting to replicate that. And we're starting to uh, tell ourselves that we are more evolved than people of old. And that our knowledge is going to open up doors for us in that our knowledge has steadily been increasing. But as we say, they're hiding the hidden history that demonstrates they were ahead of where we are today and we are just now catching up. And we're catching up so it can be like those days of Noah before the flood. And again, akin to what would have been immediately after the flood. Uh, except that God put in provisions to ensure that all the names in the book of life would have the opportunity to leave their name in or have it blotted out. And so there's that ordained time that is coming. And that 
we understand ourselves through this hubris of the knowledge that we have and the advancements that we're making that we are wiser than our ancients, wiser than our ancestors. But we are no more wiser. We are no more intelligent. We are no, no more evolved. We are not becoming gods. No matter what the world tells us, the wisdom of the world is there to lead people away from God. The religions and the, and the wisdom of the world is there to not give God credit for anything. That's why that he doesn't show up in any sort of teaching that goes on in secular, so-called secular education. The knowledge of the world and the seven sacred sciences, which are the seven liberal arts, are there to degrade God, and they're there to honor their pantheon of gods, which is why everything that's involved in their teaching from their degrees to the buildings that they build are in honor of their pantheon of gods and their name throughout we need to understand that we are not becoming gods. This is the same promise that has been promised throughout our history and was reiterated, uh, has been reiterated ever since the fall of Adam and Eve when the Nahash, the serpent, said to Eve that you can be like God if you eat from the knowledge of, of good and evil. That is what is being promised. They cannot deliver on that promise. They will try, but they cannot. And the only thing they can promise in, is to be a demigod-like Nephilim or Raphaim-type being in the physical world. They cannot transcend that. That's all they can offer. They'll never be able to uh, make you like an angel. Only God and Jesus can do that. And so, because nothing is new under the sun we study history or we should study history and we should study history clear critical analysis and not misinformation and not uh, for a specific agenda and we need to study prehistory with that same steely-eyed critical analysis so that we can understand what is surely coming because nothing is new under the sun. That means somehow, some way, giants are coming back. Whether or not, and we'll get into the different ways, what, however they show up, whether it's their descendants, whether there's new ones or other ways, we are going to see something similar, something in the same manner as what happened before the flood and as giants showed up again after the flood, as the Raphaim, as the Avim, of all the different names that we've talked about in the first sections of the book. So we study this history to try and avert our mistakes of, and revert the mistakes of our ancestors, not repeating itself. This is a notion that one thinks is quite obvious and is out there as being taught as part of the premise of the greater secular education, but it's a notion that is not really being taught. 
they say they do, but they only want, don't want to repeat the mistakes they don't want to repeat again as opposed to the mistakes that they did that is designed to rebel against God. In other words, they're looking for a realm on their own and they don't care about the consequences. What they don't want to make mistakes are different than what Christians might think are the mistakes that they would not want to make. They come out of a culture of war. That's why perpetual war is always one of their earmarks. And so we're going to see war continuous. They'll talk about peace, but they'll bring war. That is just part uh, of their traits. And this this understanding that we need to um, not repeat the mistakes of history is absolutely true, or the mistakes of prehistory, but that's not what they intend. They intend on bringing about a rendezvous with destiny that has happened in the past more than once. And so they will continue. And there's a notion that we don't want to repeat ourselves um, to obliterate ourselves from the earth. And the only thing we have that's akin to that would be the the flood and it was done because the violence and the corruption and the godliness was so far along that the only way to preserve the destiny for humankind to choose to be resurrected and to be resurrected to be like angels um, is is was to do a restart but we will make the mistakes again. Not Christians necessarily, but a lot of Christians will be deceived. And that's why Jesus warns us that even the elect will be deceived if that were possible, which is why we have to understand prehistory, to understand prophecy. We need to understand all of the Bible. We're not deceived and that we can help other people not to be deceived. And we're going to be told again that we need to come together as one people as one language and one religion, lest we be scattered across the face of the earth, as is talked about in the Babel story with with Nimrod. And we're hearing it more in a form that lest we be destroyed from the face of the earth, whether it's nuclear weapons, whether or not it's overpopulation, whether or not it's global warming, whether whatever the scare tactic um, that they want to use, and they're going to use more as we go because it's part of that doctrine of how they want to cattle herd us into a global Nephilim world order and a universal religion. That word scattered can be translated as scattered, even though the people of Babel were told not to huddle together, that they were told to spread out and populate the earth, something was there that terrified them so much that they were afraid to to be scattered, lest they be destroyed. And that was the Raphaim, of course, that we've covered in, in, in past shows. But that word scattered has another possible translation. And that's the Hebrew word puts. And it means not only scattered, but it can mean shattered and dashed to pieces as in broken or as in destroyed. And that's probably more applicable here 
uh, than scattered. I understand you have to be able to translate and understand all the other verses. And when I do that, I think, yes, I understand scattered. It doesn't make much sense in terms of what God was talking about, unless you factor in the fear. But scattered, why? Because they felt they would be destroyed from the face of the earth. That's the document that they are preaching to us today. Because, again, nothing is new under the sun. And we're going to be told a lot of fearful things as we we go into this. And so our hubris and our knowledge deludes us that we are superior to our ancestors. And there's no way we could make the same kind of mistakes as our ancestors could. And that's where they start to take us away from learning from uh, the lessons of history. They don't want you to learn from the biblical lessons of history. They want a polytheist teaching of disinformation and misinformation to lead you away from God. We've had in prehistory a rising uh, uh, against God. We're going to see that in, in, in the end time. In fact, we're going to see in Revelation 12, where the fallen angels are going to try and storm heaven, and they actually do storm heaven. They're pushed back by Michael and the loyal angels that all the angels, including the abyss angels that have rebelled, will be on the earth in the last three and a half years. And so that's not the only time there's been this, this attempt to storm heaven. It's been happening throughout our history and since the times of the creation of the giants in Genesis 6-4. I was doing a show on the book of, uh, on, on the book of uh, giants of Enoch uh, the other day, and I was describing that in that account, you have these giants who receive the dream of the flood that's coming. They had a couple of dreams, and they're so afraid they go to Enoch in this story, and they talk about uh, what can they do to avoid this. And, they, and, and they're told by Enoch, you can't. It's coming. And because you're such terrible ones, you're going to be destroyed from the face of the earth. Gilgamesh, in that story, actually decides he's going to attack the loyal angels and tries to storm and, and defeat them. Uh, but, of course, he loses. And so I think it's conveying a... Nimrod, an antichrist-like story of nothing new is under the sun. I think Gilgamesh was trying to do what Satan did, as described in Isaiah 14. I think Nimrod, right after uh, Babel, uh, was doing the same thing. And Nimrod, he was an archetypical antichrist-type figure who was building a tower. And what's interesting is, is I think he was using antediluvian technology as we've covered off as in, in, in earlier chapters that have been covered on this show. And that, that knowledge was going to be used somehow to storm heaven. We understand Babel as being understood in the Hebrew term as confusion of languages, which is totally appropriate, but it has a different meaning in other cultures. And Nimrod stayed in Shinar, and he's the father of the Assyrians and the Akkadians and the Babylonians. And 
renovated many cities that were there, um, you know, including Uruk, which is Uruk in, in, in the Bible. And so in the Akkadian version, Bab means a gateway or stargate. And El, as in Babel, or in Babalu, as it would be more accurately transliterated, ILU, the same as El, which is an angel or a god. So it's saying like a gateway of the gods. It's almost like it's they're trying to create a portal. And there's a lot of research out there, whether it's true or not, that suggests that pyramids, ziggurats, towers are all created for more than just the sort of worship sort of site and the and the memorializing of the pantheon. They were actually some sort of technology that they had before the flood and that he had created this. Why? Because he was, as he's recorded in, in let's say, non-biblical accounts, but history legends, uh, that he was going to teach God a lesson if he got out of line again. Uh, like bringing about the flood, that he would go into heaven and, and kill God. Well, there's only one way you can do that, is you have to storm heaven. And so he was trying to raise his throne at Babel, not just figuratively, but literally into heaven. There's no way Babel Tower can reach into heaven, but through a portal or something into another dimension, into the world of the spirit realm of heaven of God, that's what I think he was trying to do. He may have been trying to get his godfathers out from the the abyss as well, because that's in another di- dimension in in Sheol or Hades or the other world, whatever you want to call it. Um, but his intent was to overthrow God like Gilgamesh and like Satan tried to do. And, and the beast empires that came from the Raphaim after the flood that we've covered they were trying to do the same thing through their beast empires. And it's Michael's job not to have Antichrist come until the end time. And Antichrist in the end time, he will participate in that war in in Revelation 12. In Daniel 8, uh, verses 8 through 10, he's going to storm heaven. And he's going to bring down some of the starry host. He's going to do... He's going to try and do what Satan failed. Nothing is new under the sun. They want this day of destiny that is coming. This is the hubris of the the world's wisdom. And they're going to ask humans to rebel. And this is the delusions that are going to be used. And they're going to play to our narcissism that we have, that we are superior and we can evolve to become gods. They're going to try and offer that with unlimited knowledge. And so the same story has been playing out over and over and over and over, except God has put parameters in to let the names written in the book of life be fulfilled. And so there's a certain time that he has foreseen, and that's when Michael will permit Antichrist to come to power. So as we've gone through this history of this whole cycle of trying to do this through the beast empires, the same story plays out over and over and over and over. Only the actors in the different generations have changed. And so the scenario is kind of the same as we all go through this epoch of the Adamites. And that everybody has the same opportunity to choose good or to choose evil, to choose God or not to choose God. And it's it's our free choice to do so. And all of this is destined towards a 
terminal generation. And that term terminal generation is a term that I used uh, in my book because not only is it so appropriate, but it's also an honor of somebody who brought me back to God in terms of his writing. And that's a fellow by the name of Hal Lindsey, who was way ahead of his time on end time prophecy. Uh, and uh, that's the term that he used for this last generation. And so I've used that kind of in honor of Hal as we prepare for this specific generation. And as we start to prepare, if we are in that fig tree generation towards this last seven years of this generation that is like Noah. And we're going to emulate that in ways that people thought was not possible. Now, in uh, the chapter that follows chapter 39, chapter 40, um, in, in, in my book is the next chapter that we're going to cover tonight. Um, and it's called the new man. And I open that chapter with Daniel 12, three through four, because it goes to kind of what we were just talking about. And it says in Daniel three to four, he says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven and those who load many to righteousness and many who <clears throat> excuse me any of those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever daniel closed up and sealed the words of this scroll until the time of the end man will in uh, man will hear and there increase the knowledge man will move to and fro, there's different sort of versions on it. I know I'm butchering it from my memory. I should have probably read it. Uh, but you get the idea in 12, Daniel 12 that knowledge is going to increase in the end time when people are moving around and traveling. And so um, this is the knowledge that is increasing in the fig tree generation. And again, feeds into, in chapter 40, the new man, that nothing is new under the sun. And that just as our knowledge is exploding, so was it in the days of Noah. Because what has been will be again. It has to be. The knowledge of the people, it was the knowledge that led the people astray in the time before the flood that led to that godless generation of Noah and the hundred years it took him to build the ark. And it's the knowledge that is now dominating our society in a way that it would have been dominating and accelerating their technology in a similar manner to what's happening to us today, where we have lost and surrendered, I think as they did, the authority over that knowledge and without the wisdom to understand how to take that authority back, which is why you have to hide the knowledge of God. But that authority has been seemingly handed over to the technology itself and to the priests of science, science today uh, who are just developing technology because they can. It's that hubris, it's that overreach that is leading our level of development of knowledge that is, I'm not even sure you can 
properly calculate how fast unless you were on the inside and probably had the right computers. There used to be a time where we understood that knowledge was developing every five years, but that was over 30 years ago. Now we have technology and computers that were almost unimaginable back then. And we have no idea how fast this knowledge is developing. And that will have a speeding up of effects and events uh, that can bring about uh, the last seven years maybe a little bit faster than what the last, let's say, 40 or 50 years or so have, have, have shown us. So we should be aware of that. And I think that's also what maybe caught the people in the days of Noah offside as well. And so this knowledge is out of control, and there's no set of rules. And it's continually being violated and advanced and in a way that is designed to bring about the beast system and then the mark of the beast. And that beast system comes first with the Babylon religion. So understand we're going to see those avenues of technology start to merge to bring about that beast system in the not so distant future. And so we stand at the precipice, as I talk about in chapter 40, of disaster at the hands of our own intelligence because we haven't learned the right lessons from history. We haven't learned about the hidden history and what really happened. We have the disinformation and the misinformation that's repeated over and over and over about what they want us to know as to what they want us to understand about what happened and not the things that they don't want us to know. And so they control that information. Our technology is permitting chimera type of beings today. We can't do a King Hababa of the Cedar Forest as in the Epic of Gilgamesh yet today, or the actual chimera type of being that is talked about in Greek mythology, but we can certainly name it after, we can name that, name that science development after the chimera. We have the ability to do that. We have the ability to chase that type of technology that is going to lead us to an ability to shape DNA at a level that may even go right down to the quantum level and the building blocks with bots and things, so well below the gene level. I think that's where the technology is, is heading. And if you want to know what the heck some of those creatures are in Revelation 9 and the 200 million man war that I think is the counterfeit Armageddon, that's the same war as Joel 1 and 2 and the same types of creatures in there. And by the way, I give comparatives of those creatures of Joel 1 uh, and 2 and Revelation 9 in the upcoming book, just as I do uh, a comparison of the scorpion beings compared to the Akrabamalu or degraded uh, watchers uh, that come out of the abyss um, earlier in Revelation 9 as part of that first woe. And so... When we look at the technology that it would take, these are things being developed that are going to be partly biological weapons and DNA manipulation with whatever other technology they want to put in it so that they can create these types of beings that's going to make that 200 million man army and the writers of things that always thought had to be allegorical before or um, helicopters or all sorts of things because we didn't understand yet where this technology was going and what they were really trying to do that. They're trying to emulate 
the things that were created, like the chimeras, like the centaurs, like all of these different types of creatures other than Nephilim that were maybe created in different kinds of ways in prehistory. You know, you have things like the centaurs being created in a cloud and uh, then, you know, creating this race that's got something else going on than just the copulation because it's off earth, it's in a cloud, and it's a different kind of, uh, of being. And so I think that we're seeing sort of reflected in some of those types of creations and with the chimera, you know, like with the chimera being like you could have, uh, you know, the paws of a lion, you could have the claws for the feet of a bird. You could have a snake's tail. You could have a bull's face. You could have all of these different things going on and more. And they did according to their records that are, not the same type of creation as the copulation of fallen angels taking a physical body with human females to create beings that are larger and they would look after, look similar to the, 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 the godfathers that created them, but not in this chimera way. This is unique. This is the technology that we're developing that goes into the new man technology. And so as we understand that sort of concept with where we are and what is is starting to come about with the technology, we also need to factor in that we're in this zone of introduction to this idea of aliens and that aliens are going to be our friends to a certain degree and then there's going to probably be some really evil aliens that will also is the same as the God of the Bible. So, and there's going to be this whole galactic table of aliens, of different types of creatures. They're going to be part of the creatures that they created in prehistory and, and recreated again after the flood if they were all destroyed and they weren't able to save them. And I recognize they could do both. And they're also going to be the changeling aspect of the fallen angels that can take any form that they want. And we know they can take a form, many different forms, and particularly as a human, as it's talked about in the Sodom story in the verse before, the chapter before, where two angels and the angel of the Lord show up to to talk with uh, Abraham. So these aliens who do experimentation on us also have this great knowledge that they're promising us that will even further enhance our speed of what we want to drive over that precipice of disaster. And we will accept those offers because they'll be offering things like cure to diseases. They'll be offering things like longer life. And it's going to involve DNA manipulation. And as you start to move into that level, that will be a possibility and a significant likelihood as how we might create new Nephilim, either crossbreeding with these aliens Some of them, as I said, will be fallen angels or accepting their technology to create these new DNA-modified new Nephilim, the new man concept. And we understand that new man concept just as it was tried to do in a World War II scenario with National Socialism, which we're going to see on a globalist scale 
Um, they're going to take socialism from nationalism to globalism, so it's going to be global socialism. We see that analogy with an antichrist archetypical figure with with uh, Hitler, and we also see his Reich Church, um, Ariosophy, Pan-Aryan, um, polytheist religion, where they adopt Jesus as a prophet but not as the Son of God, and that through genetics they were trying to and and through grafting future bloodlines, they wanted to be able to recreate the ancient Aryans, which were giants, as we've talked about in the past, the blonde hair, blue-eyed, pale-skinned variety from Atlantis and the part of the Tuatha de Danan or Datanu out of the Ugaritic text, and other names, the tribe of Danu, that, that show up after the flood. And so we're going to try and do that again because that was nothing new under the sun again. And that was one of the prophets, one of the Antichrist, the Rosicrucian false prophet, um, talked about named Nostradamus. And that was the second Antichrist figure with the third one about to come. And so we're going to see something like that again in, in the end time. And those who refuse to take this knowledge those who refuse to do the DNA changes are going to be considered mundane they are going to be considered inferior beings pariah not worthy of being part of the new age of Atlantis and understand Atlantis had 10 kings was the helm of world government the greatest civilization of the antediluvian world that was trying to take over the whole world and was destroyed by the flood. The new Atlantis, the new age of Atlantis, and as the Bible talks about, will have 10 kings over the world empire. Daniel 2 for the toes, Daniel 7 um, for the, for the uh, horns, and uh, Revelation 13, Revelation 12, and Revelation 17, as it brings all of those allegories, prophetic allegory together, and the description of those ten kings that Antichrist will come out of in the end time. And so, if you are not wanting to be part of this new technology, this new religion, this new wisdom, this new world that is coming you will be considered pariah, not worthy. You will be, we will be persecuted. We need to understand that. And that persecution will start before the last seven years. And that's why we need to know that we're going to go through tribulation, perhaps 10 years of tribulation, depending on how long we live through this and at what point the rapture comes. Revelation 2.10, 10 days of tribulation. And some of these so-called aliens might be, as I said, angels that are going to procreate with human females and perhaps take a female form and procreate with males as well because we just might see real giants, just like they were originally created both before and after the flood by, by fallen angels. And those angels are coming out of the abyss, so... Somehow, some way, we might see real angels, and it could be that some of them were spared off the planet, in the planet, in another dimension. However, 
we need to be aware that we can't imagine everything that's coming and we have to be prepared for this. Because once it's upon us, we'll have, we'll have failed to properly warn as many as we can. So we need to be strong and we need to be anticipating and we need to not get ahead of ourselves in terms of end-time chronology. And so we'll be offered through all of these different types of venues, our own knowledge development that can possibly make Nephilim through the aliens, through actual giants that we might see. We're going to be offered a cosmic gift, if I can phrase it that sort of way, to be gods, that we can evolve, that we can vibrate, that we can all come together with one language, one religion, one people acting together, we can quantum leap into another level of existence. That's what they're going to be promising, but they cannot deliver it. But they will be promising that and they will be uh, convincing. And that technology, I think, is going to play a significant part for the masses that they'll be offering uh, some sort of DNA alteration. So that we can be just as an archetype figure, antichrist figure, was at the time of Babel, and this in the end time of the end time Babel, and noting Babylon is rooted in the Hebrew word Babel, just as Nimrod became a mighty one, with that knowledge I was referencing early on. He may have used that knowledge to alter the DNA, just like what we have the ability to do now, and we'll perfect as more time goes along. And he became a gibberim, not Nephilim, not Raphaim, but something akin to that as a description of the Nephilim as it's used in the mighty ones of Genesis 6-4. He was, he had a human father, so we know if he was going to be Nephilim-like, something changed. And he became one. And I think that's the technology aspect for the masses, but do not rule out that there might be purebred giants coming in the end time. We have to be prepared for all. And just as it was the new man concept for an end time scenario with an antichrist wannabe like Hitler, that is what's coming at full measure in the end time with this new new age and this world government and what the globalists are trying to lead us into. It is coming and it'll be at full strength, not seen since the beginning of creation. And not only did we see Nephilim, will we see Nephilim, but polytheism, um, we are going to see this on a level not seen since Mount Hermon, where they took an oath to carry out that oath, harem anathema, no matter what the consequences were, and they understood the consequences. And we will be asked to swear an oath to them or not, to be part of them or to be their enemy. And either either way, it's going to be painful if you're still here, but choosing the most painful at the moment will be the less, least painful on for the rest of eternity. So that's the choice that's going to be in front of us. And so the whole earth was violent in the days of Noah, 
just as it will be in the end time. And that violence came from the Nephilim, and it was violent after the flood that came from the Rephaim nations. It was godless because they led the world into polytheism, and they'll use any measure to do it, like secularism to do it. And it was corrupt because it was Shekoth, it was destroyed. And this is what is coming in the end time. And Shekoth means decay, ruin, destroy, perverted, spoiled. That's changing the genome of the plants and the DNA of all the animals and humans on the earth except for the ape. And that ends my presentation on chapter 39 and 40. Nothing new under the sun and the new man as all as understanding what is coming for the end time. Praise God, powerful, always very super deep and very interesting. Thank you so much, Gary. Um, we love having you join us every month. And, um, and again, we're all looking forward to that book. We, we, we're on your side. We hope that it makes it out by April. It passes through the editorial you know, phases and stuff without any hindrance or issues. And um, we're voting for you, my friend. Um, and it is Genesis... Six, that's the number six, Genesis, to spell it just like it sounds, Genesis, number six, conspiracy.com. And there is, yes. there's enough information on the website to keep you busy for a real long time. And it's super detailed and very generous, generous of you, uh, Gary, for sharing that for, for, for the people that want to read your book. So thank you again so much for joining us tonight. God bless you. Thank you, and uh, look forward to talking with everybody in four weeks' time. Absolutely. All right, God bless you. Thank you, Gary. Um, and on that note, we're at the 9.01 p.m. Uh, point in the program. Uh, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to move forward. Uh, I just wanted to say, if you remember the tidbit of this guy speaking um, about the situation that we have happening and unfolding on the earth, uh, it's this The film. United States has special... Now, what I want to do is I want to bring this toward the near the end, because that's where he really starts to summarize everything. Neoliberal political and economic models are hostile to national sovereignty, they're hostile to democracy, they're hostile to independent government, and they're hostile to any iteration of a social contract. In these models, the highest duty of every citizen, of every institution, of every government, is to contribute to corporate profits. It is quite simply greed gone mad. Okay, now, um, let me expand upon that a little bit. So he stops at the point of greed, says the elites are greedy, they're, you know, they're capitalist or whatever, extraordinaire, green god. Now, it's, it's, as we know, it's satanically driven, and it's much more deeper and darker. You know, it is indeed the rise of the Fourth Reich. Now, he touched upon this concept earlier on as he was going through his dialogue about the fact that the United States was not you know, it is not in the grand scheme of the whole world and what's going on today. Uh, when you compare the United States to the, if you will, ruling class elites or the bankers or whatever you want to call them, um, he pointed out that the United States was being used by them, uh, you know, to 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 uh, for war. We'll just leave it at that. The war machine. Okay, the military industrial, uh, you know, and some people say military industrial extraterrestrial complex, which is actually the most accurate way of putting it. But anyway, all that being said, there is uh, plenty to learn out there for people who want to do a little bit of digging. Uh, the, the, the bottom line is there's a tale of three cities. These are cities within a city. 
The only three cities within a city in the world are the Vatican, Vatican City. That is a city uh, that is autonomous, has its own laws, has its own police force, has its own black ops, has its own black pope, has all kinds of creepy weirdness going on, and it's all within the walls of Vatican City. That is a city within the country of Italy. All right. So that so we so they are the religious headquarters of. Well, let's just tell it like it is. They are the religious headquarters of the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate. Now, the financial headquarters of the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate is a city within a city, which is known as the City of London. The City of London. So that actually is a true, you know, it's like a Washington, D.C. It's located in London, and it is its own governing, just like Washington, D.C. It, it's got its own mayor. It's got its own little deal going on. Uh, and they are, that is, as far as the global elites are concerned, the banking epicenter, the financial epicenter of the uh, ruling entity. All right. And then the Washington, D.C., with the pentagram. I'm sorry. Did I say pentagram? I must have meant pentagon. Um, it, it That is the military arm of the global elite ruling class. Okay. And the rest of it's really pretty much, con- you know, it, it's not all that relevant. Okay. To, to, to the gentleman's point, he was right about that. The rest of it, you know, they don't care what, what country they live in. They're not, they have no allegiance to the countries that they live in and their only allegiance is, is to this global, uh, well, let's tell it like it is great tribulation, worship Lucifer as your God, which is known as the beast in the Bible. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, and I'm, I'm not shy about making it very clear that my mother told me, and there's been thousands of other prophecies supporting it, that Obama is in fact the antichrist. There's a lot of people that make arguments against it. They try to point to scripture. They say, well, you know, just because they don't like, him, I'm not going to get into all the details. I'm just going to simply say he, in fact, he is the antichrist, but we do not know at what time Satan will incarnate into his body. That will be the manifestation of the Antichrist, almost certainly after the ground-based nuke is set off, triggering World War III as a false flag and blowing up uh, uh, a large portion, if not all, of Chicago. I've got audio bites of uh, emergency operations centers, teams, and, and people... I just the amount of evidence is utterly overwhelming, utterly, utterly overwhelming. All right. Praise God. And then the Lord gave Rachel Baxter that incredible dream, which we played on the program a couple of times. And that was the for from what the Lord showed her that event, you know, essentially what she said was there's not going to be any turning back. There's going to be an event that's going to happen that will just start World War III and there will be no turning back. Well, you can believe that. I mean, if you know, so again, if there, you know, there is going to be, I believe with all my heart that she did hear from the Lord properly. I believe it's going to trigger the National Security Directive number 51 for the continuity of government. I do believe that uh, that uh, the uh, TV series um, uh, Designated Survivor is highly prophetic, um, and yes, uh, anyway, it, you know, it's redacted, they threw a fit about it, but I believe that inside of the redacted part of, of National Security Directive number 51, it will state that the last um, functional president uh, that is alive, uh, you know, that, you know, will be put 
you know, they'll give him another title like the Fuhrer. It won't be the Fuhrer, but it'll be probably similar enough. Uh, the Fuhrer was a special title that was given to only Hitler. It, it, that term, that title never existed before Hitler. That same dynamic, I believe, will happen when Obama returns to the Oval Office. Uh, it, we just have so much information that backs this, um, and I'm not going to get into all of it because really that could make up an entire show all by itself. So there's another idea of a show that I can do based uh, with just absolutely guzzling prophecies, dreams, visions uh, that are just astonishing, amazing stuff. All right, all highly supportive. Now, I'm going to continue to move forward through these. They're to some degree, they're in a little bit of uh, order. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm down to 50 minutes left. Uh, one of them I'm going to push on, push forward to uh, Wednesday. But I do want to point out to you that not only, okay, not only are we looking at avian H5N1 avian flu viruses breaking out in multiple countries, which is very very concerning. 50% mortality rate, which of course they'll never let you forget, even if it's not true later on. Uh, these things are happening right now. We also know that the vaccine passports are absolutely happening right now. Uh, we also know that the they're finishing up the first draft or the, I believe the final draft of the World Health Organization Treaty, which will allow the World Health Organization to control. But see, here's the thing. Obama's already in control of them. Klaus Schwab and the, and the World Economic Forum and all of these satanic critters, these entities from the bowels of Sheol, are controlling. They are the controlling network. So ultimately, you know, when you say the, the World Health Organization, no, it, it's not. It's the Klaus Schwab Antichrist Global Satanic Crime Syndicate Organization. You can call it the WHO if you want to, but that's a puppet agency. All right, so that's ultimately who's going to be controlling all of these things. All right, and they're happening right now. Gangbusters. All right, now, all that being said, we've got, you know, there's also threats. Uh, you know, we have continued threats of Marlberg, uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We don't know. And sometimes these entities are so clever, sometimes they will go in, they'll stomp out. They'll do it on purpose because they want to, they want to make conspiracy theorists look bad. Okay, I don't. I use the term theorist, you know, loosely, okay, it's really not that at all, we all know that. However, they want to humiliate us because it 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 allows them to form a narrative that is more easily believed by Joe Sixpack and that's exactly who they're after anyway uh, to trick. They they're never going to get the never vaxxers. They already know that. They're just going to kill us. All right, that's what they're planning on doing. All right. Now anyway, um and we haven't even talked about the red and blue list, you know, and the gathering up of the people after uh you know, uh martial law gets instituted, the fact that they're keeping lists on all of us, you know, people might say, "Well, gee, when am I going to have, you know, my ESG score. Well, folks, you already got your ESG score. It's game over. You can't like say, oh man, I, you know, they're going to make create a, a Chinese social, uh, you know, scoring system and I'm not going to be able to get on public transportation. I'm not going to be fly everywhere. I'm, you know, well, no, it's a lot worse than that. And believe you me, they already have a score on me. They already have a score on you. It's going to include where do you surf the web? What do you talk about? Your religion? How, if they consider you to be a zealot, you know, are you a MAGA person? Are you a terrorist threat by their definition? All these other creatures weird things are all going to be fact, you know, whether or not you're driving what they consider to be a gas guzzling car, all these things are going to factor into that score, that ESG, economic, social and governance score. And that score is going to trickle down. It is going to be on your digital ID. 
Okay, so when they were joking around about that for dating apps and stuff, you know, the tongue-in-cheek, well, that's not too far from the truth, but it's going to be much worse than that because it's going to govern how much clothing you can buy, what kind of, clo- what, 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 what kind of food you can eat. It is absolutely horrific, the level of control. It is the great tribulation in the making. Hallelujah. All right, and, you know, to Gary Wayne's point, there's going to be a lot more other creepy weirdness in the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, which, of course, none of us ought to be here for if we are holy and without a blemish or any such thing, Ephesians 5.27, praise God. And that is done through continuous self-examination, praise, worship, and confessing of our sins daily, actually throughout the day, and seeking God in holiness and righteousness. Tell him how you feel. Tell Jesus how you feel. Sing a song to him. He's supposed to be your first love. Fall in love with the Lord. All right, next one up, I told you about the uh, churchy uh, that was on uh, Twitter, you know, telling everybody, well, we can't be in the tribulation. Here's the 50 reasons why I believe we can't. I'm like, shh. Be quiet, man. You're just getting yourself in trouble with the Lord. So anyway, never, nevertheless, you know, you've got to have this disinformation agents that don't know any better and really shouldn't be behind the pulpit in the first place. But anyway, they're out there and they're deceiving many, just like Jesus warned us about in the Olivet Discourse. So it's all work in progress. All right, praise God. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. Let me fill you in on this. You might think that the United States wouldn't join up with all that other creepy stuff that was going on up in Canada and Oxfordshire over in the United Kingdom, but guess what? They certainly are. It turns out that the United States' first 15-minute city is going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. Let's listen to this report. Mayor Bibb introduced the idea of being the first 15-minute city in the United States. He did this in his State of the City address last night. The urban planning model is new, but city planners told our Sarah Shookman the time is now to tap into federal dollars to address some of Cleveland's deeper problems. Imagine a Cleveland where everything you need is less than 15 minutes away. It's this ideal planning framework where human needs and desires are accessible within a 15-minute walk, bicycle ride, or transit trip. And that's really what we're striving for in this new planning model. City planner Matt Mott says it doesn't have to be a dream. Instead of a concrete jungle where people work and separate places where people live, in a 15-minute city, everything is closer. It's starting out with the city we have now and then asking residents how they might want their community to grow or change. That's the mayor. That, again, make things more accessible or provide them with more opportunities. To act. Now, listen, so check it out. The key words there were tap into federal dollars. Now is the time to tap into federal dollars. Guess where those federal dollars are almost certainly uh, hiding in? That 4,000-page uh, uh, um, 4, appropriations bill that just got passed where every single person in, 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 the, in the Senate and the House are angry as murder hornets because it was shoved down their throat, bypassed all of the normal controls. Nobody was allowed to comment on it. Nobody was allowed to take any time to read it. And it was as absolutely anti-constitutional as possible that they even got it through in the first place. It is against the law. These are lawless entities from the bowels of Sheol, and they're in there doing their whatever they're doing. All right, which is nothing but sick, twisted, evil stuff. All right, praise God, hallelujah. And I, boy, 
let me tell you, if I said what I really thought. <laughs> okay, so anyway, now I'm going to give you these little, you know, we can't help but be in our human bodies, right? And yes, we are all, our citizenship is in heaven. But as long as you don't allow me, hold on a second. There we go. As long as you don't allow yourself to slip into becoming involved, you know what I mean? It's one thing to listen to it, but, you know, all of us have a little touch. You know, if we're from France, parlez-vous français, you know what I'm saying? Vous, uh, I, I won't, I've got to be careful with my French because some of the things I learned when I was in French, <laughs> French class are not repeatable. But anyway, um, the point is... We all have a little bit of whatever it is, you know, associated with our upbringing, our environmental, you know, who are we? Well, a lot of evangelical Christianity sees themselves as American Christians, and they see that they are special. They believe that there's going to be a third Solomon's Temple that is built before Jesus comes back. That is false. And then um, uh, they are, uh, they believe, uh, you know, a lot of things that they should not have believed. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Now, why did I bring up the, the fact that we still... You know, as Paul pointed out in so many verses in Romans and other places in the Bible, our flesh, you know, it's it, it's who we are. It's part of who we are. Now, we're always battling against it. We want to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can, right? Amen? Okay. Now, all that being said, as I go through a lot of the things that are being said out there, because I'm trying to keep my finger on the pauls for your behalf, because you may not have the ability to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, or actually it's 4 o'clock in the morning for me now. Sometimes it's even earlier. And I spend time, sometimes a little bit more than I ought, probably, uh, but I only have so many hours in the week, and i got to prepare for the programs, and there is so much information that is gushing out all in parallel right now that I, I really don't have much of a choice. All right, um, other, other than, you know, Anyway, so um, let me just go ahead and shoot into this because there is there still is an awful lot of stuff that I want to get out here. Merrick Garland is his name. That's it. Merrick Garland. I don't like that guy. That guy's some kind of an entity. But anyway, um, this is Matt Getz speaking. Uh, let me just make sure I didn't miss a. Oh, I did miss some. Wow, I missed a whole row. Um, I want to get this one in here real quick. This is uh, Cl- uh, Representative Clay Higgins, and let me tell you something. This guy smacks people around real hard, and I. I kind of like them. Um, so the only reason I'm playing these things is not because I believe that there's any necessary relevance to any of the things, except um, they sound awful promising. But with Merrick Garland being one of them, part of the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate, mm, doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. All right. So because um, they can't they're impotent unless they have the Department of Justice doing what they ought to do. And we already know what they're going to You know, it's just not going to work. All right. So anyway, this is Clay Higgins uh, doing a little bit of smacking around regarding the FBI's involvement in the January 6th false flag. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me go ahead and bring this up. citizens of every land to come to this country legally. Our border is wide open and out of control, and Americans are dying because of it. And I know Secretary Mayorkas is watching this, or having his team of attorneys watch this, good. Because over the course of the next year, this committee is going to lay out the case against you, sir. If I could arrest you for violations of Louisiana Revised Statutes, I would. 
That was Congressman Clay Higgins, Republican of Louisiana, House Oversight Committee, House Homeland Security Committee, House Freedom Caucus doing an amazing job. And it's also raised some very important questions about January 6th. We talked about some of them earlier. Uh, were there FBI confidential informants dressed as MAGA supporters on Capitol Hill before the mob got there? The answer would be yes. So let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is Matt Getz, uh, and he's making you – know, so the CPAC conference has just gone on. Uh, Donald Trump talked at it. Now, now remember, I, I am – I withhold adjudication in regard to Trump, and I had this conversation with somebody uh, earlier today that said you know, she feels passionately that he's just part of the darkness. But, uh, see, that's too simplistic for me because every, you could have 1,000 people that are all part of the darkness, but when you have 33 levels of the Masonic Lodge or the Scottish Rite, which there's more than 33, but we'll, we'll just pretend it's only 33 – you don't know which level they're at. Okay, you don't know who's controlling them. You also know that JFK, who, by the way, is part of the the Kennedy bloodline, is part of the uh, thirteen Illuminati top thirteen Illuminati bloodline. So is Anassis. Okay, you got to understand. When you understand that, then you know that they eat their young. Okay, so when you kind of get that dynamic, just to say somebody is evil because you saw them shaking hands with Fauci or uh, shaking hands with um, uh, Bill Gates or something in, you know, in some video somewhere and just drawing a, a, a conclusion like that is, is puts you in great error. Your understanding is, is in jeopardy. You can, you can believe what you want to believe. And I'm not, you know, like I say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't kick it in the butt to make a drink. All right. Now, all that being said, we don't know at the end of the day, I don't know, you don't know, we don't know, and he could, you know, so here's the thing. After I play the Matt Getz Get, uh, dialogue at the CPAC conference, which is actually very good, and, and it and it's only feels good to hear him talking like this because we all, you know why? Because deep down inside, we want the right thing to happen. Deep down inside, we know that there are extreme evil injustices that at the hands of the Antichrist and the World Economic Forum and the Global Santana Crime Syndicate are one and same. We know that these injustices are happening, and it's just refreshing to hear people state them out loud in front of extremely large audiences of lawmakers and highly influential people. Now, does that mean that it's going to change anything? No. And that's the sad part. Okay, so I'm going to start out with Matt Getz, and then I'm going to play the little the little ditty, not the whole thing, but little snippet of Donald Trump's uh, commentary. And uh, you're going to know after I play the Donald Trump commentary why so many people had visions and dreams of Donald Trump inside of a casket. Okay, you're going to know real quick. All right, so that being said, let's listen to Matt Getz. He nails it, by the way. But perhaps the most important concession that we received during that fight was the establishment of a special group of legislators to analyze the weaponization of this government against our people. Seems like every time I turn around, they're engaged in surveillance or list building or monitoring, and I don't care if it takes every second of our time and every ounce of our energy, we either get this government back on our side or we defund and get rid of, abolish the FBI, CDC, ATF, 
DOJ, every last one of them, if they do not come to heal. You got to admit, that was a pretty good speech. Um, and, of course, we'd all like to see that happen. I mean, you know, you know, it's the human side of us, right? Um, I, listen, if I was living in Somalia and I was seeing people being mistreated, I would want to go over and help them. You know, so it's. I think Christ in us makes us want justice to be done, but it, vengeance is God, saith the Lord. So we need to just step back, pray, uh, do do what we do best, and let uh, and just praise Jesus that we are our citizenship is now today, and it, it is in heaven. We are the elect of God. We are a royal priesthood. It doesn't say we're becoming a royal priesthood, First Peter 2.9. It says we are right now. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. This is the Trump statement. Listen to this. And I'm pretty sure everybody will be like, oh, wow, that's bold. And you know what? Um Ask yourself if the visions and dreams of the casket – might not have something to do with these sort of remarks. Okay, here we go. Let me go ahead and bring this up live. Put me back in the White House. Their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will. There you go. I will totally obliterate the deep state. There you go. I will totally obliterate the deep state. Now you know why all the casket visions and stuff. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to this guy. This is a, uh, I believe, a member of parliament over in, I think, Ireland, but I'm not sure. But this guy is well-known, very outspoken. His name is Mick Wallace, and he is throwing a fit about the fact that nobody's doing anything about the Nord Stream attacks, you know, where Biden and the Antichrist and, you know, global scene, you know, Klaus and all their whatever. They he's mad. OK, and let's listen to this. He's dead on the money, too. Praise God. Here we go. This was a premeditated terrorist attack on European critical infrastructure. It was also environmental terrorism. Does the EU care? Do you need to know who did it, or do you want to know? Hearst says the U.S. did it. Did you just ask him? Did you just ask him to do it? Or, or do you just ask them questions anymore? Have we become so subservient? Has the EU become so subservient to U.S. empire that you can't even ask him if they did it? Is it a fucking joke? This was a premeditated terrorist attack on European critical... Oh, and sorry, I forgot he uh, let one rip at the end, or else I had to warn the kids. Kids, you weren't paying attention, were you? 
Uh, I know. I know. I, I, I completely forgot he let one rip at the end, but he's pretty upset. All right, praise God. Next one up. Carbon restrictions are being challenged, believe it or not. Okay, so the, the whole foundation of the ESG regulations that are coming out. And by the way, they have tech schools right now. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but they actually have technical schools out there that are openly advertising to train people in business to become officers and leaders in ESG regulations. Also, interestingly, I was taking several, uh, about 37 webinars. Each one is an hour long, and they have panels of four or more people on there. And several of these webinars that I took last week, the panelists, by the way, the webinars were from 2022, the panelists were discussing the forthcoming ESG regulations and how the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States of America will be uh, pushing down and enforcing them upon all publicly traded companies. How about them apples? All right. So anyway, that being said, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at this guy who is challenging John Kerry regarding the whole idea. Because if, if you can derail the con- – see, this is what they're, this is what they're thinking. They're thinking to themselves, well, if we can derail the concept of carbon being a problem in the first place – we can rip out the root cause of this whole big mess. Unfortunately, that's not the case. The hydra, the tentacles, the infection is too deep. All right. And that being said, let's listen to what he says, because it is interesting and it is kind of funny. At least it was to me. What's the consensus on parts per million of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere? About 406, 406 today. Okay, 406. Are you aware? 350 being the level that scientists have said is dangerous. Okay, are you aware? 350 is dangerous. Wow. Are you aware that since mammals have walked the planet, the average has been over 1,000 parts per million? Yeah, but we weren't walking the planet. It's, um, let me just share with you that we now know that definitively at no point during the least the past 800,000 years has atmospheric CO2 been as high as it is today. The reason you chose 800,000 years ago is because for 200 million years before that, it was greater than, the, than it is today. And I'm going to say for the record. Yeah, but there weren't human beings. I mean, there was a different world, folks. We didn't have 7 well, billion people. So how did it get to 2,000 parts per million if we humans weren't here? Because there were all kinds of geologic events happening on Earth which spewed did up. Did geology stop when we got on the planet? Mr. Chairman, I, I, this is just not a serious conversation. You're, you're t- yeah, that's a John Kerry's looking like a complete moron. But you know, of of really of all of the collection of the skull and bones, um, let's all jump in a coffin full of human excrement and beg uh, alien creatures to inhabit and and possess us, which they do. Uh, the shape shifting reptilian, blood drinking, satanic ritual sacrifice creatures from the Black Lagoon that are running, that are sneaking. You know, it, the movie they live is highly prophetic, folks. I do find it most 
astonishing that the last scene in the in the movie in that movie uh they live uh they the, the the heroines of the movie walk into an elite uh you know wef like environment where they're all talking amongst one another about how they're going to conquer the earth and he actually say in that movie that their target date is 2030 Coinky dink that happens to be the same date that Klaus and his pals have set for their target date for the global reset. Okay, anyway, but God is in control, so we and hey, we're, we're our citizenship is in heaven. Let's just all I all I hope is that we can get out of here before uh, you know, uh things get really bad. Because they are. And Oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> okay, so here goes a comment uh, with a panel uh, with, uh, you know, for Alpha Fox News. I'm just going to go ahead and play this. They're talking about, uh, you know, Merrick Garland. Uh, this, I'm not going to – let me just play the clip. All right. I want to say things, but, you know, I'm trying to control myself because I just want to reach it through with a baseball bat, if you know what I mean. But got to be good. General is a dove. Okay, here we go. House calls the shots. Why is it that the Justice Department ordered a raid of Mar-a-Lago? You know, they, they couldn't – they wouldn't slap so much as slap Joe Biden on the wrist when he's got all these classified documents. But we learned today from reporting that Merrick Garland actually overruled field agents who said, no, 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 we shouldn't raid Trump's home. No way. He overruled them to do it. Why is that? Because the White House wanted it. Why is he going after pro-life demonstrators? Because the White House wants it. Why is he letting Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett twist in the wind with all these protesters outside of their house? Because the White House wants it. I think he's just a tool of the White House. And I'll tell you, Jesse, they have weaponized this Justice Department like nothing we have ever seen in American history. I think the real thing here is, is that the White House. All right. So you heard that. And of course, that's true. And hey, you know, it's been being broadcast all over the world. I'm, you know, I'm not saying how many listeners. It's irrelevant. At the end of the day, word travels. It gets tweeted. That's where I found it. Uh, praise God. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, like I said, my humanness is glad that these things are being said out loud. OK. And that it's pervasive. Uh, my humanness is glad. M- what is sad for me, well, you know what, really in the grand scheme of things, since we're, we're not going to get off this alien demon infested rock until we, you know, until these things come to pass, all these things come to pass, not every single one, but the things that are pre-wrath, uh, anything before Revelation 6.17, uh, where it says the day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. So anyway, I just, you know, yeah, we want to get it over with. I think you do. I do. And I praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so, so much, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Because we have finally gotten to a point where we're able to literally see the progress moving rapidly. Okay, it is rapid fire succession. It is back to back. It is happening quickly. And it's not just one thing or another thing. It's it's food processing plants being burned to the ground by arson. It's it's uh, chemical plants being burned, you know, gigantic fires. Three of them, in, you know, from Pemco in, in one 24-hour period. That's impossible. It has to be our arson. It's always arson. They're, you know, they're they're. Literally bringing down their. It is the Olivet discourse. Every single attribute of the element, dis, uh, the Olivet discourse. Luke twenty-one, Mark thirteen, Matthew twenty-four. Every single element, every single warning, every single event is happening right now. It's undisputable. And anybody who would dispute me on this, 
come on, bring it on. Let's have some fun. <laughs> I went on True News, and I ate their lunch and popped the bag over the rapture uh, uh, debate. So you know what? I'm ready to go. If somebody wants to come on the show and debate me on this, but I'm pretty sure the answer will be no anyway. And, I, I, you know, I don't want there to be any contention. All right, praise God. Now, this is uh, Ted Cruz uh, telling, uh, you know, at the CPAC conference. Now, you can understand there's thousands and thousands of people, and there are so many Tens of thousands of people that are listening to the CPAC remotely. Okay, so the number of people is all, certainly in the millions that are hearing these these things being said. All right, so I'm going to play this little one because I kind of like it. Here it goes. I think you will too. Dr. Fauci is the most has done more damage than any bureaucrat in the history of our nation. That's right. And was the highest paid. He, 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 he led policies that, that destroyed people's lives, that hurt tens of millions of kids across this country, that destroyed businesses, and he lied repeatedly over and over and over again. Now, one of the consequences is he elevated politics above science and medicine. There has been no person who has done more to destroy trust in the scientific and medical community Absolutely. than Dr. Anthony Fauci who told millions of Americans lies willingly, knowingly, glibly, supremely arrogantly. Um, should there be an accountability in any sane system, he would be prosecuted for lying under oath, and he would go to jail for lying under oath to Congress. Now, unfortunately, I can quantify with mathematical precision Listen close. the likelihood that the Biden Department of Justice will prosecute him, and the odds Did are 0.000%. 0.000%. They will not do it. This is a lawless Department of Justice. Will there be accountability? There will be accountability. Number one, we have a majority in the House, and I am confident in the House that we're going to use that majority and use it to hold Dr. Fauci and the others who lied accountable. And we need to have hearings on the origins of COVID. We need to have hearings to follow the money. We need to have hearings examining and laying out the facts about how Fauci misled the American people and the corruption that drove that. You may look, Doctor. Now, the only wish I have is that he would throw Bill Gates in there with it. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, all right. Praise God. So the next headline up here uh, is. Senate overturns federal rule on ESG investments. Biden vows to veto it. So, again, um, a, the Senate uh, put together a bill. They said, you know what, we got to shove this through real quick because this ESG stuff is super-duper creepy. They probably know more than they admit. And uh, they wanted to put, a, you know, an end to it, okay, or at least hamper it as best as they could, you know, as best as they could. All right. Well, anyway, Biden just, you know, Obama, the Antichrist, told Biden in his little whispery thing, you know, connected, you need to veto this. And he, and he probably mumbled, and then he pooped his pants. Because that's what Biden is. Let's just, you know, be frank about this. He is not... He's not even human. All right. That being said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. 
Biden is set to use his first veto to save what Republicans call a, quote, woke rule, ESG, that um, lets retirement fund managers consider companies' social and environmental records. So they're basically shoving it down everybody's throats. They're making it a regulation. They're training people to sit on the board of directors of major corporations. They're going to push it down through the Securities Exchange Commission, and everybody out there thinks they're going to stop it. They're not. All right, so that's the unfortunate part about all this. Okay, now, now that you got that down, now I am definitely going to warn you kids. Kids, you need to put your hands over your ears or go into the other room because this guy lets the F-bomb rip real out at the very end. It's a minute and three seconds long. So you going to be good kids for me here? Now, I'm going to tell you what you're not going to be able to see as I play this. You're only going to be able to hear the audio, but I'm going to tell you what this man is showing you. The title of this particular video that this person filmed in his local town area um, is called Total Control is Coming. Stop Shopping at These Places. Now, of course, this individual obviously believes that by boycotting certain organizations that are doing such things, that it's going to have some sort of effect. The fact of the matter is, he's wrong. It's not going to stop anything. Okay, that being said, what he is going to be doing is he has taken note that at his local Walmart, which he mentions in what town it is, that they have put, taken all the food, put them inside of uh, cabinets, Okay, some refrigerated, some frozen, blah, 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 and they are all locked. Now, at this moment in time, they're not locked, but they're all locked a bull. And on the top, believe it or not, on the top of each one of the doors is a facial recognition scanner. Just a little little black device sitting right up at the tippy top of the door. It's going to scan your face, and if your credit, if your ESG score is not what it ought to be, the door will not open. Your family will not eat. I'm going to say this one more time. This is being built right now. These doors lock. Your face is scanned. And your ESG score is already in the supercomputers. They've been watching everything you say, every place that you surf, everything that you do, and they've already decided, well, we're all, you know. You would have to be the dumbest box of rocks, thumbtack, kumquat-eating, Budweiser-drinking, backyard, you know, quarterback, and, to, you know, I mean, really, to not be aware, to at least to some degree, that these things are going on. But the vast majority, and when I say vast majority, folks, I'm talking about 80% or far more indeed. It could be 90% of the American population. First, you have, what, 20% that's part of Gen Z, Millennial, uh, Gen X, and they are really clueless. 
they, a lot of them don't even know who the first president of the United States is. I've watched videos. Oh, gosh, I, I, I can't ramble on, but I am going to play this for you. I want you to know that his commentary and the reason why he says what he says and the reason why he drops the F-bomb at the end is because he knows doggone well what's coming, and he knows doggone well why. They're not going to let people eat. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and play this little ditty right here. Hold on just a second. Hold the little thing. Here we go. Let me double-click it. Okay, here we go. Hey, people, I'm at uh, Walmart, Rockland, Ontario. Look what they're installing. Look what they're installing on the... Ontario, in this case. The sensors are in, fellas. Yeah, sensors are in. This He's right. Sec- this section here, there's no doors. They've just installed doors, and they have sensors everywhere. Look. See? Sensors going right there. See it? I, I, well, I can see it. I mean, it's just it's a little facial recognition sensor above all the doors. And like he said, he put they put Check all the you the, the other food there. See? locked doors. There's a beep boop machine. No beep boop. No door. You don't do beep boop. Door don't open. Door don't Most open. People don't know what's coming. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Whoops. There is the F bomb. Uh, anyway, sorry about that, but you know, if if I wasn't working and I could spend all day long going hey, through and I'm- editing every single video, uh, I'd be able to beep that stuff out. But unfortunately, that ain't gonna happen. There's no way. Um, I've been up and down the this with the Lord over this for 12 years. <laughs> so I am what I am. It is what it is. And unfortunately, sometimes and get, you know what? When 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 all heck breaks loose, folks, which is right around the corner. Okay, let me ask you a question. Now I've had you know I had somebody say to me, "Oh, they'll never pull that off. People will riot. People will bust. It. People will shoot each other. People will. There'll be civil war. Blah blah blah." That kind. Yes. Absolutely there will be. And they want it. They want us to kill each other. They love that. that. Don't you see? Let's say that in the first day of the Civil War outbreak after Trump casket event occurs or whatever, okay, that there are 300,000 people dead in the street. That's going to be almost certainly 300,000 people in hell. Get it? Why in the world would people who work directly for Satan be against civil war or any war for that matter? Okay, so hopefully if it, you you know you get the basics. All right, now this person does a wonderful job explaining a, uh, a lot of stuff about ESG and why it's so complicated and why so many people do not understand it. If they do not understand it, they cannot stop it. That's one of the points that this guy's making, but. After he made his – after I heard this, I actually commented – not that it matters, but I commented underneath his um, commentary. I put a little comment in there. I'll read that for you as soon as I play this. Here we go. Let's pull it up. Here we go. So, I mean, I think it relates to the heart of what ESG is about, right? The origin of ESG's explosion over the last decade and over the last five years in particular is really about trying to get done through the back door what government could not get done through the front door under the Constitution. That's really what this game is about. So the scope three emissions caps that 
large ESG-promoting asset managers vote for. BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, all voted for a scope three emissions cap at Chevron in 2021 that Chevron did not want to adopt. That's not required by U.S. law. It would never be required by U.S. law because U.S. voters would never support it, but they're using then the capital of those everyday U.S. voters to still do through the back door what government couldn't get done through the front door, but to make it invisible. And the thing that really gets under my skin about this particular ESG rule is that it was designed to be non-transparent. So I followed this very closely, actually. I wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal with a former uh, Department of Secretary of Labor, person who led the Department of Labor, co-wrote this with me in the journal last summer when the draft rule came out. I expressly called on the Biden administration to cancel this rule because it was you know, a violation of historical precedents for years of not only fiduciary duties in, 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 you know, amongst how states set up their laws, but even public policy for what we should want to do with retirement funds of retirees. Now, the reason why I'm going to stop him at this point is simply this. He's speaking in terms of where we are today and the fact that they're trying and are in the process of diverting retirement pensions, Social Security, state government things. Of course, DeSantis came out. He caught him red-handed, saw it coming a mile away and said, no, ESG, we will not support you. Do not bring that garbage into this state. All right. But the rest of the world is getting hit with it real hard. Um, and um, so anyway, I, I, I basically responded to the fellow and I said, I said, this is pretty well said. Unfortunately, the tentacles of the Hydra are in, entwined in the international satanic global control grid far too deep for them to, for anybody to untangle them. This is global myocardiitis. Okay, it is much worse than it seems. So again, you know, a seed planted, maybe somebody looks at it and says, hey, wow, maybe this is that bad. And they do a little more homework and discover the real truth. All right. Praise God. Another headline coming up. Twelve days before Iran can nuke Tel Aviv. One of the most remarkable things about the current reality is the extent uh, which facts and developments are simply ignored. And they go on to explain that at this time, um, they are literally, according to their estimations of the very scientists and the, and the intel that they get from the side, is that Iran is literally 12 days away at this point with their current level of enrichment for a nuclear bomb. That's interesting because we already know uh, that the uh, United States government, in cooperation with the IAF, the Israeli Air Force, has already flown test sorties with F-35s into Iran to see if their uh, anti-radar cloaking systems worked well enough for them to get by them. They discovered that they did work well enough. There's been additional uh, preparation on that front. So we might, that could be another kickoff event associated with driving World War III forward because uh, according to Dr. David O'Rourke, he was given a vision and he was there and he saw it and they used tactical nukes from the bottom of the jets and they shot tactical nukes at the Fordow facility. That would, that would be... You know, um, it would it would kick things off in a really big way. We'll just leave it at that. Next one up. 
Brussels, uh, Belgium right now. The European Union is targeting to destroy thousands of farms, many thousands of livelihoods. It will increase food prices and leave more and more people relying on the government. No one voted for this. Stand up for the farmers as they stand up for their freedom. They have blocked all of downtown uh, uh, um, Brussels uh, with their uh, tractors. I've never seen so many tractors in my life, and they're all really, really high-end expensive ones. But anyway, um, uh, and they they are blocking it down because basically what they're what what they're doing is they're saying, hey, you're not playing. You know, we need you to get rid of your nitrogen. They need you to get rid of all these things because of ESG. That's essentially what it's about. And then they say, oh well, uh, oh, and we're going to go ahead and commandeer your farmland. They're literally taking away their land. Just walking in and saying, you know what? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go ahead and all this hundred acres right here. It's it's ours. We, we, we you know we're we're going to take it over. And I'm not going to get into all the details about that. But they have had laws on the books. You know they're just anyway. Let's go ahead and move on. Next one up. American military reports that North Korea threatens declaration of war with the United States if the military drills continue. Anybody want to venture a guess whether or not the military drills will continue? What happens if North Korea threatens, or doesn't just threaten, but they actually do have a declaration of war? What's next? What about the aircraft carrier? Remember? United States aircraft carriers kind of get hit by North Korea and it's going to sink. Okay? And then they're going to turn around and they're going to attack Seoul. Real bad. And I don't know what happens after that because that's where the vision ended. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I got some indigestion going on. What the heck? Hold on. Let me take a pill. I don't have any of my, um, or do I? Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Let me look. Okay, hold on. This is hurting. All right, I'm just going to have to take a acid reducer. Ow, man, where'd that come from? Hold on a second. Let me take a drink of water. Oh, Hey, maybe the Lord's going to take me home tonight. Wait a minute. Yep, this is one. Ow, that hurt. Now I know why some people think they're having a heart attack when they're having a indigestion. Boy, that hurt. Ow, ow, ow. Oh, no, maybe it's myocarditis. I don't know. I didn't take any of that stuff, so it can't be. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Another headline up. Unprecedented California snowmageddon. Three feet of fresh snow per day. 4.3 feet in two days at Soda Springs and up to six feet at Lake Arrowhead. And, yes, they do have photographs. I got a call, or not a call, but a communication from Terry Hill out in the San Diego area. They were getting pummeled by snow. So was Los Angeles. These are not normal events. Um there is somebody on Twitter that was like babbling, babbling. I don't believe I'm, I'm a climate. Uh, excuse me. Wow. What in the world did I eat? And when did I eat it? Let me think. I didn't really. All I had was some sardines. I was totally on keto. I did Atkins phase one. I didn't. I had an eggs, cheese, a thing of sardines. This is weird. All right. Well, I'll just have to deal with it. Hopefully it doesn't last into the night. That will really bite bullets. All right. Oh, suck balut. How about that? Somebody sent me a picture of balut on, uh, that was you, Karen. If you're out there listening to this program right now, 
There, there is a ban. Tribulation now bans all photographs of Balut. All right. It's a new policy, you know. I can make it up if I want to. All right, praise God. No more pictures of blue. All right, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, on that note, in the lick of time, we have actually made it through all of the headlines and all of the audio snippets that I did want to share with you tonight. What I think was the most arguably... Now, of course, it's most concerning and ought to be that the United States is preparing, and there's nothing to stop them, nothing to stop them. There's no angry Matt Getz. There's no angry Ted Cruz. There's no angry uh, McCarthy. There's no Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's no Lauren Boebert. There isn't anyone, United States government, that can stop them from signing the World Health Organization Treaty. And you heard what they said. Pick you up, take you out, put you in jail or FEMA camp or whatever for an undetermined period of time. Remember, it's all about volume. It's about volume. How many people do you think are going to be okay with this stuff? How many people think do you, do you think are going to resist? It's going to be boatloads. And if any one of us gets caught up in that mess, bye-bye house, bye-bye everything, bye-bye job, bye everything. So I don't know. You know, I kind of figure to myself, if this happens before the barley harvest, it's a good thing I got a backpack <laughs> and a couple of harnesses for my puppies. Praise God. The only thing I need is a shopping cart. Got to get it from Walmart, I guess. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I wanted to share all this with you, but I think really when you think about it all, when you consider the signing of the World Health Organization, signing the sovereignty of the United States away, which is going to happen, giving all the power to the WHO, which is under the control of the Antichrist and Klaus Schwab, and having the ESG rules coming down so fast that they're actually installing facial skinners and locks on doors in Walmarts. And what did he say? Ontario? Yeah, it was Ontario, wasn't it? Sister Vera, Sister Vera, go find a Walmart. We want to get some more pictures of the sensors on the doors. So anyway, hopefully she'll uh, take a listen and carefully to where this guy, um, let me see here. Where did he say? Um, Here he is. Let's see if we can listen without the F-bomb. Walmart, Rockland, Ontario. Walmart, Rockman, Ontario. Walmart, Rockman, Ontario. Sister Vera, we have an official call uh, for you to become our uh, Vera on the Spot news reporter. Uh, for uh, Hold on a second. Let's, let's listen to that. Let's hear it one more time. That, uh Walmart, Rockland, Ontario. Walmart, Rockman, Ontario. I don't know how far away Rockman is from your uh, uh, house. I, I, I think you got like, you know, polar bears and strange Eskimos walking around, but I don't know. If it's nearby, go fetch us some pictures. Maybe I'll even stick them up on the main front page of the website. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight is Sunday, March the 5th. Oh, wait a minute. About 10 days away from my 61st birthday. You know, I was still in my 40s when I started doing this stuff. That's messed up. End of the world. 
who would ever thought it would take this long, and how much longer do we have to go? <clears throat> Lord willing, 7 p.m. Friday. If, if the Lord wills, we will have a dedicated show for the three days of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for joining us tonight. God bless you all. Spend as much time in the secret place of the Most High. Fall in love with our Father. Fall in love with Jesus. Sing to him now. Become one with the Godhead. Praise and praise and praise. And you know what? Just like the song says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim and the light its glory and grace. God bless you all. See you Wednesday, maybe. The Lord allows it.
Children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. 